we're going to be going through a number of disclaimers. Okay. Uh, and and uh, we're, we're laughing about it, but uh, but we do mean it. And that is that the fellowship that we are, that is, that is happening here is intended in no way to be prescriptive um, and should not be taken as the way to do things. That's not why we're having this fellowship. We don't purport to have the way. This is just learning that is being passed on and should be taken in the way of principle. That is applied to our based on our situation through careful consideration and prayer and fellowship with those who we are connected with. So we're assuming a number of things as we're caring for people. We're not gonna be touching on certain things because we are assuming those things. And so what we're not touching on is that we are, we have a, uh, a developing intimate relationship with the Lord. And then we're connected with uh, other believers with whom we are coordinating to, uh, uh, to, to, to bear fruit together. Um, and so assuming all those things and assuming that we are praying for those that we are caring for um, and that we are endeavoring to be constituted with the truth. Okay, assuming all those things, now we, we like to have some more fellowship, <clears throat> okay? And today, what we're focusing on is when we are caring for people, um, they encounter m many different things when they are coming into the church life. And uh, we want to uh, learn how to help them get through those things so that they can uh, advance in their Christian walk, they can advance in their experience of the church life, and these things will not uh, be a hindrance to them. Um, so one of the things that we wanted to talk about to begin with um, is really the, the common faith, the faith that is common to all believers, because this is the basis for our fellowship. Uh, Cosette or Hannah, do, could any of you give me one item that is part of our common faith? If you don't get an item, it's okay, but just, just wanted to see. One item. One of them that like Jesus is God. Okay, so related to Christ's God person came, I guess God and work. Came as Very a man. good. Yeah. Okay. Mhm. Mm yeah. Anna, did you have one or? Uh, maybe the redemption at the cross. Right. So again, this is related to his person and work. Um, Cosette's was more related to his person, and Hannah is more related to his work. Um, another uh, item of the faith is the Bible being the word of God, uh, God being triune. So one yet three, three yet one, self-existing, ever-existing, uh, coexisting from 
eternity uh, to eternity. Um, so that's the Bible, the triune God, because it touched on this point. Christ is God, and he was incarnated to be a man. Um, we also have, as Hannah touched on, his redemption. So he died on the cross. He shed his blood for us. Then he was also resurrected on the third day. Um, and in resurrection, he became the spirit. And he has ascended to the right hand of God to be the Lord of all. Then another uh, aspect of the faith is salvation. So whenever someone repents and believes in the Lord, he is regenerated. He's born again, and he becomes a living member of the body of Christ. And then all believers, we are expecting and longing for, and even we are laboring with the view of hastening the Lord's returns. We're expecting his coming. So... Um, those, I, I think you could say, are kind of uh, some of the main, they, those, that is the common faith. So beliefs that people have outside of this, such as, you know, various doctrines or practices, uh, these are not uh, um, reasons to not have fellowship with them or uh, this is also, these are also not reasons why they, they, they shouldn't have fellowship with us. Um, there are some things that, you know, in terms of not receiving a believer, idolatry, living and practicing in gross sin, uh, being divisive and denying the incarnation of Christ. These are um, some reasons why we may not um, re receive a believer. Okay. With all that kind of as background, um, we also wanted to talk about the truth. Um, can we pull up that other diagram? Um, okay. In the Bible, you could say there are basically three main lines of the truth in the divine revelation. And... Um, if you look at the central line, you'll notice that the items of the central line really correspond to the items of the common faith. Um, and so this includes the word of God, the triune God, <clears throat> the economy of God, the all-inclusive Christ, the life-giving spirit, the body of Christ, and the new Jerusalem. So when we are handling the word, the central line, whenever we're touching the word, we should always have a view towards the central line. Um, we also need to be careful not to confuse the central line with what we would call the line of supplemental points. Now, what's that? That's like prophecies concerning Christ, Old Testament types, Adam, Eve, Israel, the tabernacle, the temple, okay, even the church as something that is supplementary to the body of Christ or the truth concerning the kingdom. There's also what we might call the leaves and branches. So kind of this is a, if you want to picture it, this it's like a tree. The central line is like the trunk. There's lots of things with the leaves and branches. 
And actually, a lot of these things are very helpful to us in our practice, but these are not reasons to not have fellowship with believers. So, for example, the God-ordained way to meet and to serve, the Lord's table, administration in the church, head covering, foot washing, even the rapture, um, the keeping of days. So, you know, when do you meet on the Lord's day? Uh, handling, even the handling of idol sacrifices. How many cups do you use in the table meeting? Uh, do you use leavened bread or unleavened bread? Okay, we might all have opinions about this based on the word, but we have to be careful that we receive all believers according to the standard of the central line, not according to the standard of the line of supplemental points or the leaves and branches. So our view really has to just be the central line. These other things are very helpful, very rich, very enjoyable. But if people have different views on those things, uh, that doesn't mean we can't have fellowship with them. Okay, and now remember, we're talking about this from the standpoint of caring for new believers. Okay, that's our vantage point here. And so um, one thing we were kind of considering is that you know, when we are caring for people, if someone wants to pray in a certain way in the prayer meeting of the church, um, and they want everyone else to pray their way, okay, that may be a bit of a problem. But if I'm in a home with someone, if someone's in my home, and they want to pray in a certain way, it's very different. I, I have no problem praying however they want to pray, okay? The context is different. And so what we do in our home or in an appointment with somebody to care for them may not be the same as, you know, if accommodating and changing everything that we do in a church meeting to accommodate somebody. So our, our view, our approach is that... Um, you know, most of what we're going to speak about today really takes place in one-on-one -on -one appointments. It takes place in home fellowship. This is not really adjustment of anything in, the, in church meetings, okay? We're not trying to change anything in that regard, okay? Um, we'll talk about lots of issues that people have with different things that we may do. <clears throat> we're not trying to, we're not in any way saying that we need to change those things in the church meetings. What we're saying is that when we're having fellowship with people one-on-one -on -one, or even in our home, we can give, we, it's okay to give them some leeway. I think we, we touched on that. Might've been in the first dive session. So uh, it was a quote from brother, brother knee. Um, that in our care for new ones, we sometimes we just need to give them some leeway. And uh, especially, you know, when we're with them one-on-one -on -one or in our homes. So, you know, one, one thing that we may do inadvertently or unconsciously is we may bring the standard of the church meeting into our home and apply that to the ones we're caring for. 
and they may not be ready for that. And so then they may have, they may run into, into problems. Um, we just have to learn, if you allow me to use this phrase, we have to learn what hills to die on, you know, and fighting for, um, uh, you know, trying to force somebody to call on the Lord in your home may not be the best, that may not be a hill you want to die on. And just, just put that out there. Um, it's not an item of the faith. It's a wonderful practice. I call on the Lord. Okay. I love calling on the Lord, but that's that it's not an item of the faith. It's, it's a life practice. That's very helpful. But, uh, if someone has an issue with that, I, I don't make an issue of it. Okay. Um, so we're not focusing on issues that people may have with the truth. Okay. We're, we're actually today mainly focusing on, and actually a lot, most of the dive sessions in the past have been related to presenting items of the truth to people. But today we're focusing on other issues, which, you know, a lot of times they may be cultural barriers or certain practices we may have. And when people who are new come in and they encounter those things, they may have a kind of reaction to it. And so we then just are, are learning how to care for them when they have a reaction. So um, I think I'll pause at this point. And I don't know if uh, Brother Ray or Trevor, if y'all have anything you want to add. I know at some point we're going to get go on and get into 1 Corinthians 8. But um, if y'all want to clean up the mess, then go for it. <laughs> no mess to clean up. I think it's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think in general, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just just to double down the fact that we're not, um, you know, I've noticed I've noticed in my own experience over the last ten years, um, a lot of saints seem to uh, want to die on every island, and I I realize I realize that um, that that we've been attacked a lot in the past. I'm, I'm highly aware of the history. And, and so we always want to, we always want to go into bunker mode and fight and, and, you know, um, but, and today we're not, we're not telling, we're basically, basically, and this is something that I've struggled with and it was good this week getting into it. Uh, in what context do I fight for something? And so, uh, you know, there's meetings, there's meetings that, uh, are not for you. They're actually for the Lord. The, the table meeting is not for you. Mm. The, the prayer meeting, it's not, it's not for you. And so there's, there's meetings of the church that are, that are not for you. And then there's other times we get together. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan in calling them home meetings because the moment you say it's a meeting, it activates a certain kind of structure to that thing, a method. Yeah. And so to me, it's just, just, you just, come to my home and we're going to hang out and see if something happens, you know? Um, so, so in that, in that context, that might be for you. 
So the thing is, I, I think one way that I that I kind of categorize it in my head when when it comes to a lot of these things that are on the screen, um, what what context are we talking about where I'm actually going to fight for something? Is this for the Lord's interest in a meeting in in, in a table meeting? Mm. Well, you know, then and, and you're you're you know you're a new person and you're attacking that thing. Well, then that's okay. That's grounds for like defending it. Okay. But then, but then if we're in my home and, and you're just like talking about something that you disagree with, there's no reason for me to get all stirred up about it. There's no reason. So going back to a dive session a couple of weeks ago, something Philip Bradley said multiple times, which I really liked was we just, we just want people to enjoy war and joy. And so we just need to keep them happy long enough where where they 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 get clear about what we're saying and whether they choose it or not it's fine it's up to them but but the thing is we don't want to do anything that would would push them away unnecessarily right so this is kind of what we're talking about and i've brought this up multiple times in in different dive sessions you know when i'm taking care of someone um Unfortunately, only about 30% of my care for that person is getting into the Bible. I don't like that. I don't like that. But that, that, that's what ends up happening. I probably get into the Bible with all of you guys more than I do with people. Okay. And, and, then, and then basically the other 70 or 80% of, of my care for this person is them overcoming these, these hurdles of, of things that they don't like, things that they notice, things that, that make them upset. And so that's, that's really what the dive session is about today. And the reason why I, I love the way Nathaniel started it, the reason why we're, we're hitting these things is, is it a part of the common faith? If it's not, which, which here, I'll go back to that one. Okay. If it's not like, let's, let's zoom down here. I don't, can you see that? Okay. So we're zooming now on, on zoom. Okay. So, so, you know, Yes, yes. Calling on the Lord is in the Bible. Okay, it's in the Bible. And, and we enjoy it. But it's, it's not something I'm going to die on. If somebody doesn't want to do it, that's up to them. That's up to them. But there were multiple times when I was when I was coming into the church life, where where I brought up these types of things, and I felt like attacked for, for feeling that way, feeling uncomfortable about a certain thing feeling socially pressured and all this stuff. We want to alleviate all of that. Okay. So let the person grow at the speed that, that they're able to grow is, is basically the thing. Now, can I, can I hit first Corinthians eight? Nathaniel, Go is, are it. you, are you okay with Okay. Go for it. Hey, hey, before you do that, before you do that, yeah. Trevor, let me just jump in quick. Yes, please. Uh, as a kind of opening or, you know, we're having some preliminary fellowship here. But uh, I, I think that another aspect to all of this is uh, we realize that in our care for people, in our interaction with people, uh, there's a kind of a testing of us, a testing of where we are. And, and uh, you know, I'm reminded in, in Matthew, the Lord said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Ultimately, if we're pure in heart in our dealings with God and with other people, none of these 
things will really matter. And when I say these things, I'm talking about the secondary matters, the practices and so forth that the brothers have just been speaking about. Because if you remember, you know, the Lord's charge to us was very simple. He said, love God and love one another. That was the fulfillment of the entire law. Uh, so in our dealings with people, really the primary thing has to be a matter of love. And in your loving people, you're taking care for them, care of them. Uh, there's not really no need to bring in the other secondary matters, especially if they're not at that moment particularly open to that or particularly inclined to go along with what you might have to say. For example, calling on the Lord. We, we love, call, I think calling on the name of the Lord is the greatest invention on the planet. I mean, there's no better way to interact with the Lord than to call on the Lord. And it's so simple. I mean, the simplicity of it is just wherever, you know, and we all realize, you know, it's a kind of spiritual breathing. So it's really necessary and we need to do it and we, we need, and it's valuable to us and we want to share it with others, but you know, people, oftentimes they're they're reluctant to open their mouth they're reluctant this this is strange to them you know uh the idea of calling on the lord opening your mouth and speaking the lord's name is a strange sort of thing to to the average person well we don't we don't need to convince them but as long as they stick around as long as they enjoy being with you Sooner or later, they will gravitate to calling on the name of the Lord. And one final thing I would say is <clears throat> that in our dealings with people, there's a really great book called Preaching the Gospel in the Way of Life. And we may, we may think preaching the gospel is only for unbelievers. Actually, preaching the gospel is for everyone. You know, there's the gospel of initial salvation, but there's also the gospel of full salvation. How do you help people enter into a daily uh, organic experience of Christ? That's really a matter of the gospel. But one of the things that really struck me in there is, of course, Brother Lee emphasizes very much not to argue with people. And the reason it struck me is because I like to argue with people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, through the years, I had a thought that or a concept that if I can out debate you or if I can out argue you or if I can pin you down, then this will be the way I can convince you of the correctness of my argument. And then you'll just do what I do and follow what I'm saying. Well, that rarely works because everybody has their pride, their self-respect. You're not gonna convince people by pinning them to the mat and making them say uncle. Uh, many of you may have no idea what I just said. I won't explain what that means, but the idea is 
never take the way of thinking that arguing or convincing people of your position is the way to help them. Actually, the much better way is to love them in all humility, to care for them as another human being and meet them where they are. Arguing is not the way to go. So with that much being said, I'll turn it back over to Trevor. Brother Ray's good at this. He he was a he was a last minute addition, and he's he's knocking it out of the park right now. <laughs> we, we asked Brother Ray to do this about an hour ago, so thanks thanks for coming, Brother Ray. Okay, so here we go. We're, this is First Corinthians eight, and I need to uh, let's see. Is Hannah there? Uh, is he unmuted? So here we go. This is this is a very interesting section that years ago. Uh, I got a lot of light in this section as far as taking care of people. And this section has to do with, with sacrificing to, to idols and eating it. And, you know, when we, when we read it now, it's like, none of this is related to me. Like, I don't know anybody who's, who's sacrificing a cow and offering it to an idol. And then I eat it. Like, I, I don't know how this is, you know, how this applies to me. Okay. Anna, can you can you read that? So what Paul's teaching you, though, I want I want you all to catch the principle here. What Paul's what obviously we're not eating idol sacrifices, but what what Paul is teaching us here is the fact that this is this is knowledge to Paul that it doesn't matter. It does like he can he can eat that, and it won't matter. But but actually, um, because of the knowledge that he has. Okay. And so there's, there's other believers who are weak in their conscience. Okay. And, and I, I believe the brothers can correct me if I'm wrong. The, the, the conscience means with knowledge, correct? That, that is, the, that is the, the name itself in Greek. So, so your conscience needs to get educated and, and what th this weaker believer is going to get stumbled by you eating that thing. Okay. But if you just educate them, then they then they won't be stumbled. Okay, that's kind of in principle what's happening here. But Hannah, can you just read verse 9? Okay, sure. But beware lest somehow this right of yours become a stumbling block to the weak ones. Okay, let's let's take out let's take out idle sacrifices and let's put in whatever topic you want to talk about. Okay. So Hannah, why don't you pick one? Pick something that's like a, a life practice that we have in the church life that that we love to fight for. I can pick one. Yeah, you you pick one. Um, let's say like um, I don't know, pro proclaiming hymns. Okay, declaring. We're going to talk about declaring after the song. Okay. Okay. So this is what's interesting. Are you right? according to the word of God, which we'll get, we'll actually hit that, we'll hit declaring later, okay, it's in, it's in Ephesians 5, according to the word of God, are you right in doing it? So it's a practice in the Bible, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, so this is the thing, in verse 9, Paul actually says, this right of yours, 
you're right. Okay, you're right. But to actually do it will stumble a weaker one in a certain context, okay? Because they themselves are not educated. You haven't educated the person. So this is a big one. This is a big one. Taking someone to a meeting before they're ready, you're going to stumble them, okay? And everything, everything that they're doing in the meeting is right. I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning that, okay? But you're going to stumble the person if they're not ready for that. Because they have a weaker conscience. They're going to be bothered with a hundred things that are happening. Okay. So this is, okay, keep going. This is very interesting what Paul says. Just, just keep reading. Okay. Uh, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge reclining at table in an idle temple, will not his conscience, if he's weak, be emboldened to eat the things sacrificed to the idols? For the one who is weak is being destroyed by your knowledge, the brother because of whom Christ died. In sinning in this way against the brothers and wounding their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food stumbles my brother, I shall by no means eat meat forever, that I may not stumble my brother. Okay, so it's interesting with, with stumbling, you know, actually, I think the most violent thing the Lord ever said had to do with stumbling where he said it would be better for you to just like tie this thing around your neck and throw yourself in the water. It's kind of violent, right? <laughs> so the Lord takes stumbling very seriously. And what's interesting in this little section in first Corinthians eight is he actually says, if you stumble this person, you're, you're not just sinning against that person. You're sinning against Christ himself. Like that, that's in verse 12. You're sinning against Christ, which is very interesting because this is actually a, a you know, we can use this as a proof that, that uh, you know, we become God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. I mean, how in the world can I sin against Christ by sinning, uh, you know, doing something to Ray? You know what I'm saying? So, so that, that's a side topic. That's a side topic. But the whole point here is this is a warning to us. That we could be right. We, nobody's questioning whether we're right. But we're actually sinning against Christ by like pushing it down someone's throat. Okay. So, okay. That's a little thing. I'm also going to, th this is kind of, this is not uh, Bible oriented. This is just kind of things that I've learned over the years. I have to tell you, I have to tell everybody this. Okay. When, when I came into the church, <laughs> there's nobody that had more problems than I did with everything, okay? I, I've yet to meet them. I think I was the hardest case on the planet. And, and, the, and the brothers just like, if I met myself, I would run the other direction, okay? So this is the thing. I was highly observant, okay? And, I, and I'm seeing everything that's going on in the room, okay? I was, I was trained by my mother to observe everything going on at all times. Okay, so this is the thing. When it, communication can happen in two ways. It's things that, that you're taught and then things that you catch, okay? It's social things. So I like to call it things that are taught and things that are caught, okay? So there's many things, there's many things that we do not teach. We don't teach them. 
But people come in to a group and they observe and they catch it very quickly. Okay. And then they come to you later and they're like, oh, hey, you know, like uh, I've noticed uh, all the brothers and sisters sit on opposite sides of the room. Okay. That's not something that's taught. Like we don't, we don't sit at the podium and we're like, okay, everybody red, see it. Okay. Everybody get on opposite sides. Brothers, you know where to go. Okay. Nobody does that. Okay. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, honestly, this is the, this is a real story. I walked into my first college meeting. There were about like 150 students and it was clear as day to me. Like mama didn't raise no fool. Okay. I'm like, okay, <laughs> the brothers are over there and the sisters are over there. I didn't even call them that the guys and the girls. Okay. And so, you know, this is, this is why I'm telling you, I was the worst case. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze the toothpaste and see what comes out. Basically, I'm going to test these people. And where did I go? I beelined it right over to the girl's side. And I just sat down right in the middle of them. Okay. And I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I was just sitting there eating my dinner. Okay. Okay. The, the amount, I'm telling you, the amount of social peer pressure that I got in a matter of minutes, I got, I got looks, I got glares, I got all time, all kinds of stuff. Okay. So saints, this is the thing. Just because someone goes to the other side of the room and they, they do what, what you think they're going to do, that doesn't mean the spirit's doing that. Okay. I, I felt pressured into doing that. So I, I clearly like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the other side and I pick up my plate and I go to the other side and then everybody's happy. Okay. Another, another example of this is how you dress. Okay. So the way people dress, it's just, it's just caught. No, nobody's teaching you how to dress. I hope, I hope. Okay. Um, the, there's other things like everybody goes to the training. Well, that's not true, first of all, but, but when you come in and there's a bunch of people that you've met that went, you know, this is, <laughs> sorry. when I, when I first met the saints, we were at a barbecue and, you know, the full-timers, they're doing a good job. They're, they're trying to relate to me, you know, and I, I, I understand that. And so they're like, oh, where are you from? And I'm at the University of Texas and I'm just at this barbecue. And I say, I'm from Los Angeles. And I'm not kidding you. Every single one of them, every single one of them hung out in Anaheim for two years. That was, that was their way of like relating to me. They're, oh yeah, I went to a Bible school in Anaheim for two years. And I, this was the first barbecue I ever went to. And like, I, I had met like 15 of them and they all said the same thing to try and relate to me, Okay. So of course this isn't being taught, but I'm, I realized very quickly, okay, everybody goes to this thing. What is this thing? Okay. Another one is we, we uh, only read Witness Lee and Watchman Nee books. Okay. Again, that's not, that's not one that like, no one's coming up to the podium or, or speaking on, on a, on a Sunday morning. And they're saying like, you can only read this person. Okay. Nobody says that. But you catch it really quickly. Another one is everybody uses the recovery version. So these these are things, you know, I sit down at a, at a Bible study and I, I'm the only one with the King James, you know, and I'm looking around and everybody has the same Bible, which I've never experienced as a believer before. Okay. Any group I'd ever been in, everybody had like eight different kinds. And it actually, to be honest with you, created kind of a problem because everybody's translation is different and whatever. So the thing is, the thing is, you just catch these things. These are things that are, that are caught, okay? 
I am not saying we need to change any of it. I'm not saying we need to change any of it, but you have to, the main burden that I have today is that everyone would realize what it is like, what it is like to come into the church life, what it is like to, to, to walk into a room and, and all this stuff is happening. We're, we're throwing like a hundred things at them at once. And how, what do you expect? Honestly, what do you expect a person to react when all this stuff is new and different and all this? And okay. Now, do you guys want to chime in at this point? I was just going to go on to the next point. These are just things that I, this, this, you know, making it aware, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. No, that's good. Are we, uh, what are we touching next? I was, I was just going to hit the, the part of like actually helping a person like like okay I'll, I'll just say this and then and then they can chime in one thing that i like to do when somebody comes to me with a problem and we're going to go through a lot more of them throughout the the time today but like one thing i like to do is i like to figure out is this person i need to figure out what kind of mind i'm dealing with okay mm. so is this person a a liberal minded and I'm, I'm not talking politics here okay so i was a liberal arts I was a liberal arts uh, major. You know, I was a history and religious studies guy. Um, I'm trained as, as that. There is no absolute truth, okay? And you better have more than one source if you're writing a history paper, okay? <laughs> so the thing is, the thing is, I realized over time, I, I started noticing that a lot of my liberal arts students were struggling with the same thing over and over again they would always come to me and they're like why do you guys always read just one person and and it's funny because the engineers and the accountants didn't really have that much problem with that they still do sometimes i'm saying but like it's not as big of a deal to them because they haven't been trained to think a certain way okay and so am i dealing with a right-brained person very emotional okay so this is the deal this is, this is right and left brain, okay? Which, which one do you think the church life has more of? That's, that's kind of a rhetorical question. Okay, so the thing, the thing is, when, I'm, when I am uh, trying to shepherd someone, are they, are they super logical? Then, then the thing is, in order to shepherd them, I need to, I need to appeal to their logic, okay? Are they, are they very emotional? Okay, if that's the case, then I need to just ask the person, does, does what you're reading, does your experience since meeting with us, do you love the Lord more? Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to appeal to their logic necessarily, where it's like, doesn't everything in the Bible make sense when you're with us? Okay, so these, these types of things help, I think, in, in shepherding a person when they start having these types of problems with things. I don't try to combat the opposite. Okay. So Nathaniel, that, that was just a little two cents. That's something I found kind of helpful, but Ray, you, guys like you like this, bro? I didn't make it. I, I stole it. I can see that. Yeah. Actually, I've stolen good. everything we've ever said on the dive session. I, I'm just a big stealer. Okay. Keep going, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's good. When we're, when we're caring for people, um, 
you know, <clears throat> we just have to, it, it really helps to just, um, first of all, listen to what they have to say. And, um, and not, not um, sort of just agree with them because you just want them to be happy. But, but really to just understand where they're coming from and kind of identify with them. Because uh, um, I just appreciate what Trevor was saying because you just realize there's so, there's a, so much stuff that they can encounter. So on the one hand, they, they're, only, they're encountering the truth they're encountering the experience and enjoyment of Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. That's all great. But it's like, as we're with them, we have to learn how to shepherd their soul. Because while their spirit can be really happy, sometimes they can, there are problems caused in their, in their mind, in their emotion, and, um, and these are things that we may not really even be aware of, you know, because we just unconsciously are in, are in it. But I think just having the awareness of where, uh, you know, the, um, I don't want to use that word, but it's just like, there's a, um, there's just like a flood of information, of feedback that comes to someone um, when they first start entering into the church life. And um, our focus really needs to be on Christ and the church, on the truth, on the experience. That's where we want our focus to be. Unfortunately, uh, there are things that get in the way. And so we're just kind of learning how to how to how to how to deal with those things? Maybe I'll I'll jump um, in too. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Nathaniel, you were you done? No, no, I'm oh, I'm good. Sorry. I'm good now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, along this same line of, uh, uh, and I enjoy what Trevor said a few minutes ago about that that this time could be used to, to help us understand you know, what people feel like and what they observe as they come around us, uh, because this is necessary in our shepherding of them. And of course, this left brain, right brain illustration helps us understand that people have different ways of looking at things. Uh, so one thing that's really necessary, it seems to me, in terms of connecting with people and shepherding them and caring for them is to really know where they are to understand you know what makes that person tick because no no two people are the same and so you may think well uh you know two years ago i was with so and so and and this worked and uh you know uh, i'll just kind of follow the same script uh, that's really not the best way to take care of a person. Of course, one of the things that's really necessary in all this is we need a lot of prayer to really give the situation to the Lord and to uh, then the Lord can come in and give us a spirit of wisdom in how to take care of a person. But the other dimension to this is to realize uh, 
and and understand that no 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 two people are the same but one thing they all have in common is that they really are observing us you know people are attracted by the truth and they are attracted by you know the life but what's also very important to people is who they are with and the other part of this is when you when you meet the saints for the first time uh another consideration is do i want to be like this person because one thing that people consider you know when they're evaluating the matter of fellowship or you know what church to be with and and all of these kind of things is they're looking at the kind of people that they're going to interact with who are they going to socialize with and then eventually if i'm going to be among them that means i would be kind of like them of course it doesn't mean i'm going to be the same person no two people are identical but i and i mentioned this because this was a lot of my consideration when i came into the church life you know i grew i i, I came from a roman catholic background i was raised as a roman catholic then eventually at the very end of my university years i received christ and I began to fellowship with various Christian groups in New York City. And I visited a lot of different places. You name it, I visited it. Uh, and in some cases, maybe I stayed a little bit longer. You know, I was a Presbyterian youth director, for example. Now, I didn't even know what a Presbyterian was, but I knew someone, they invited me to get involved. I thought this would be great to get involved with high school kids and lead them to Christ. That was my motivation. But there I was uh, with Presbyterians. I even gave a message one day from the Presbyterian pulpit. Uh, from there, I went to the Baptist places. I went to the Pentecostal. I went all kinds of places. Then. You meet the brothers from the church and uh you know to me and to my friends there was a little group of us we met them and to us the brothers were very peculiar uh one reason of course for that was these these guys were really serious about being christians to us being a christian was fun but we also liked kind of being in the world <clears throat> it it kind of worked out for us rather well that we could walk on both sides of the street we could be christian but we could also be in the world and you know do either one whenever it suited us and and that was kind of where we were at and then we come along and we meet the, the brothers and you know when whenever we got into the Bible, of course, the brothers were much more equipped with the Bible than we were. So we did a lot of listening. But the other part of it is we were doing a lot of observing. And we were looking at these guys and evaluating. And we, we would frequently when when our little Bible studies were over, the brothers would leave. And then there were a group of about five or six of us. We would talk to one another 
and we said, you know, that, that brother Joe, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of the nicest of the group. He's, he's the coolest one of the group because he seemed to be like us a little bit, but the others were so square and so conservative and, and, uh, you know, we, we liked them. We really did. And we respected them, but to, to, for us to sort of be the same as, as they were, that, that was just too much. And uh, of course, eventually, nevertheless, despite that feeling, eventually the Lord, in, in my case, the Lord just kind of wore me down and eventually showed me I had to take this way. But my point here, saints, is that when we're dealing with new ones, it's not only a matter of the truth that we can share with them, but also is a matter of our person. And people are looking at that. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, our, our conservative lifestyle, somehow we have to change any of that. No, that's not the point. The point is to be aware that we are being closely observed. And again, I believe that the thing that gets you through that hurdle is when you realize, uh, and, and speaking from the standpoint of, of the brothers and sisters now, that we just love our friends. Every person responds to TLC, tender loving care. You know, and you can be strange, but if you love that person, they will be happy. Uh, that will help them get through the this sense of of, uh, you know, the brothers and sisters having a different kind of orientation, you know, because you just realize, um, you know, this person just cares for me, you know, without any, uh, without any caveats, without any kind of limitations. And there's no agenda here. This person just loves me. And so I, I, I believe that would be helpful. But I, anyway, I wanted to kind of reaffirm as the brothers are talking about how our friends, our new ones, even our relatives, they're watching and they're watching how we behave and they watch how we conduct ourselves. And most of the things we do are different and peculiar to the average person. So one real way to get through all of that is just to love our friends, to love our relatives. And eventually that becomes infectious. And uh, that coupled with the truth that we have, eventually people can really be attracted. At least that's my testimony. Sorry, brothers, your turn. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, this, this next point, and then I'm going to hand it off to Nathaniel. Um, okay, this is, this, is, uh, this is an interesting point that we have. Okay, one, one thing that I've, that I've learned is this, let's, let's not talk about the Lord's recovery as a whole, okay? Because a lot of times a problem that exists is one person says something like, let's say I'm new and I'm, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to a uh, cassette and, and then cassette says something, I don't care what it is. 
And then I, I think that the entire Lord's recovery has that view, like as if cassette re like represents the entire Lord's recovery. Okay, that's not true. That, that's absolutely not true. There, there's a there's a lot of people that are into this. So, the thing is, when when things are when things are sometimes uh, when accusations come, okay, I realized in my own experience, I don't I don't have to defend every single thing. Okay, it's actually okay. It's okay to say that we were wrong sometimes. You know. So one, one thing is like, you know, like, I don't know, you know, when all the saints are calling and all the saints are praying, it just seems like really weird and, and religious sometimes. Okay. Like, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. Like, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not the, I'm not the spiritual reality police. Okay. I don't know. But, but the thing is, the thing is like, why would I defend that to the death? Why is that a beach that I'm going to die on? You know? And a lot of times the person, they just want to be heard, okay? 90% of the time, they just want to know that somebody's on their side and, and that their feeling is, is legitimate. And then at the right time, maybe you can kind of question their feeling. Maybe you can kind of insert, well, you know, like, I totally agree with you. I think sometimes, sometimes things are, you know, religious, you know, but I don't know. Like, what do you think of, do you ever apply these same principles to yourself? You know, like, anyway, I, I don't know if that's the best way, but I'm just saying there's, there's just a time and a place to kind of introduce new thoughts. Okay. One thing, one thing, this is just in principle. One thing that I, I was helped with a lot when I was growing up, I had, a, I had a buddy who, who just, he dated a lot of people and, and he, he, he got to like his fifth girlfriend. She, she dumped him. And then he told me that he realized that every single girl that dumped him said exactly the same thing when she dumped him, okay? She complained about the exact same thing. And then he, he did, had a little bit of self-reflection and he started considering like, well, actually maybe, I don't know, like maybe I'm the problem, you know? Like I can't, I can't blame every single girl. It's, it's her fault, you know? And so he, he kind of adjusted himself and he realized that actually, yeah, this thing that they keep complaining about re in regards to me, I forgot what it was, but um, I need to change it. I need to change it. And so this is, this is something that I've, that I've kind of taken my whole life. I've always taken this. If people start saying the same thing about me all the time, um, I, maybe, maybe it really is something, you know, like if it's one person saying something, that could be their opinion, Okay. I should still take it to the Lord. But the thing is, one thing I've realized is that Satan cannot accuse you of something that is not some a little bit true. I don't walk down the street and then all of a sudden I just get hit with a bolt of lightning like you are a murderer, okay? Like, I'm not. So this is not an accusation that I have to deal with, okay? So the thing is, no matter what, even if other saints are saying something about me, okay, even if it's 1%, I still have to take it to the Lord and consider, is there some truth to it? I still have to repent. I still have to open to the Lord, okay? I think it's easy for us a lot of times to just deflect it and then justify, okay? And I do this all the time. I'm not the only, I'm, I'm not like trying to point the finger. I do this all the time. So at this point, 
I really want to hand this off to Nathaniel because he's going to take this really, really difficult topic and answer it for us. <laughs> so, so Nathaniel, tell us all about the guy-girl separation thing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is something that, uh, I mean, I grew up in the church life. So for me, it was fairly straightforward, you know, like, at a certain point in time, you realize that guys and girls are doing things separately. But for someone um, who who's who's kind of new and coming in, um, this can really come as a bit of a of a, of a shock. Um, you're just used to hanging out and doing everything together, both genders, uh, a lot of the time, and so um, and 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 in meetings, you know, it's like everybody sits with everyone. So then you come in and suddenly it's like, <laughs> I like that. It's sort of like the Red Sea, you know, it's like girls on this side, guys on this side. And, and so, so from the perspective of a new one, they come in and that's what they see. And so um, it'll, it'll, it's come up, you know, eventually it comes up in the, you know, as a question, you know, why, like, why, why are there no guys sitting over there? Why is it, why is it just girls? And um, anyway, one perspective that, that, that may be helpful, we, we, we consider this a lot, but one perspective is, is just very simply, we take sin seriously. So it's not a sin to sit on the same row with, with, a, with a girl. But the, the question is, you know, uh, eventually, we, we just want to avoid a situation where uh, young people are in, a, uh, are, are in an atmosphere where it's very easy for them to fall into things like fornication. So we have to understand, like, that's where this comes from. Like, the, it's... And, and so just helping someone to realize, look, the root of this kind of situation that you see is basically we just, we take sin very, very seriously. And, um, and okay, also it can, it can depend on the locality. Some, you know, depending on where you are, it, it can be different in different places. Um, yeah, so I, I think I might pause there. Uh, if, if you all have anything, you know, I'm not commenting on the merits of this thing. I, yeah. I'm just, yeah. uh, all I'm saying is that uh, uh, what was it? Well, actually, I think you're going to talk about this. Like if something, it, you know, sometimes this has happened because oh, yeah. in the past, some really terrible things happened. Sometimes it's very strict because in the past, some really terrible things have happened. Anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, okay. So like what, what Nathaniel just said, a, a lot of times um, a way that I like to, um, you know, information helps people understand what's, what's going on. And so I just kind of give them the information that they need to make their own decision. 
So on, on, on a certain topic. So one of the things is, you know, I ask like, I don't know how many questions a day and, and one of, you know, I always try to get to the root of something. Um, and one of the things is, you know, it, sure. I, that day that I was explaining where I walked into the room and I saw the, you know, the Red Sea separation, um, that came from a direct result of something. It wasn't like someone just one day decided, uh, you know, you know what, we're just going to separate them. You know, there, there is, there is a history that you might not know about. And so this is something that I tell them. This isn't me telling you guys, even though this might help you. But anyway, the point is there are things that have happened in the past and, and, you know, the, the older generation experienced these things. And this isn't just with the guy girl separation thing. It's with a lot of things. Uh, so you're kind of seeing the end result of something or, uh, and, you know, the kind of a cause and effect and, and, and you're seeing the, the effect of it, but you don't know what a, a, a caused that thing to, to then eventually kind of grow into that. Okay. So again, we're not, we're not saying that it needs to disappear, but a lot of times in shepherding someone, you just need to educate them. Like, listen, the, the, something happened decades ago that has nothing to do with you. And, and there was a lot of fornication or, or something happened. And so the brothers reacted and maybe this is an overreaction. Maybe it's an overreaction. I don't know. But like what Nathaniel said, we take sin very seriously. And so that now you're actually seeing the direct result of that thing that might have happened. So this is just a way of, of kind of letting, letting them, oh, okay, okay, that makes a lot more sense. It's not just like this religious, like get on the other side of the room type of thing. Okay, I don't know if that. <laughs> one, one thing I, you know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of times I, I see this happen and I've, I've had it happen where I'm bringing someone who's new, you know, they're coming to a, a, a conference for the first time, you know, it might be a, a university conference or whatever. And, um, and, you know, this happens, you know, they'll go ahead of me. I have to take care of something. They'll go ahead of me. And I come into the room and they're sitting um, where all the sisters are sitting. And so like, anyway, sometimes I've seen people, you know, go up to that person and just sort of like, hey, you should, you should go sit over there. And I don't know. <laughs> so I try to, I try to avoid that. And so basically what, this is just me, a lot of times I'll just go sit with them. You know, I mean, again, this is not, anyway, <laughs> you know, I just want them to, I just want them to like hear the speaking and not like, and not get, yeah. get like, you know, nuked because yeah. you know they they didn't understand some you know i guess unwritten rule or whatever so uh anyway um this has happened a lot or you know sometimes uh you know or you know they'll just sit down next to a you know i'm with a guy they'll sit down right next to a girl and the girl will just get up and move you know because She's just under the feeling that, like, you know, she just shouldn't sit next next to a guy. <laughs> anyway, um, and so then I was like, "What did I do? You know, why, 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 why did I? 
why why did why did why did she move like what's wrong and so yeah. then that that you know you just kind of have to explain what's going on um these are like these are peripheral things i don't know how else to say it these are just you know and yes on the one hand we do take we do take sin seriously and we're trying to you know help help people avoid um you know, situations where there, there could be issues. But at the same time, I, I just keep coming back to this phrase from Watchman E, you know, it's helpful to give people some, some leeway. So usually what I do is I just go sit with them. And usually if I go sit with them, nobody says anything. And then we're good. And they can just sit there. They can listen to the speaking. The Lord can touch them and praise the Lord. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think all this uh, speaks to uh, something that I think that's pretty important. You know, there, there are certain principles that we do uh, recognize and respect, you know, and uh, this idea of avoiding any temptation leading to sin is, is a really important principle. But the way in which we carry things out is is probably equally important um you know uh, a, a new brother sits down next to next to a sister because the seat is open uh you're in a room of 150 people uh you know the likelihood of something happening is not great uh but uh you know, like Nathaniel said, maybe, maybe for him to go and sit, sit there, you know, with the brother, because that brother was invited by him, uh, you know, is not a bad way to go. Uh, rather than, uh, you know, uh, a situation where, you know, the brother is somewhat embarrassed by being moved, you know, the way in which these things can be done. Now, of course, maybe uh, the brother could be moved because there's a group of brothers over on the other side, and they're, they're like, "Hey, we got a, we got a, uh, you know, we got a spot here. Come on over." You know, I mean, the way in which things are done mean a lot, especially again with new newer people, because as I said earlier, they are observing things and. Um, if we make more of these things than what they are, that's what that's what tends to concern people. You know, we definitely agree with the principle that we need to avoid uh, any kind of situation that can lead to sin. But simply sitting next to a sister in a room of 150 people is really, in the scheme of things. Uh, you know, uh, hard to characterize that as a felony, you know, hard to characterize that as something that's worthy of uh, being worried about, you know, uh, much can be done in a hidden way, in a discreet way, just to create a situation and an environment where it's pleasant for everyone and uh, we don't need to take notice of these kind of things, um, uh, we can we can get legal about these kind of things, 
And uh, that's where we're, I think we're really kind of crossing a line, you know. We have to take care of the principle. The principle is right, but the way in which we do it is also very significant. And if we're approaching it from a legality and we're, we're, we're afraid that this person, this new person is sort of crossing a line of some sort, violating our legality, and we respond in that kind of a way, uh, you know, people are not going to be interested in, in, in being around us because it's just too much. So um, this is a delicate area, obviously, of consideration. Uh, and this, is, this fellowship is not with a view toward necessarily changing anything. But when we're considering our shepherding care of new ones, uh, of our friends, the lambs. We want to feed them. Feeding the lambs is the Lord's word to Peter. Uh, you know, and that's really the goal. And I really liked what Nathaniel said that, you know, by just being there, sitting next to the brother in the midst of the sisters, they can just be there and enjoy the word. There's no, no problem. So anyway, I just wanted to add to the fellowship. We go on to the next thing, bro. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is probably the most common accusation um, that comes our way as serving ones. And it is, it is, or just anybody. Um, you only read Witness Lee and Watchmen Nee books. Mm. So I, I, I'm lucky enough to start off with this one. Okay, so basically, um, if somebody comes to me with this, I I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm not going to uh, try and defend that. Uh, I think I think for the most part it's true. I mean, why why should I why should I defend that um, or try and change their mind? I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of brothers in the past say like, oh well, you know, actually we have these other books. I don't know. I don't know if you really read them. So, so the thing is, the 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 truth is still there uh, in the in the accusation, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Okay, the, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean it's wrong. The thing is, a lot of times, what they don't what they don't realize is that uh, Witness Lee and Watchman Nee were uh, just absolutely incredible when it came to. I think maybe one of their best gifts, honestly, is being able to filter through centuries of Christian-like books and pull out uh, just all of the gold nuggets. Like, basically find, find God's economy in the past. Okay, so this is the deal. I, I uh, do a, a church history trip through Europe every summer. This is a huge point for me. I was in the, I was in the training because everybody goes, I'm just kidding. Um, I was in the training and I was in the, 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 uh, uh, what was it? Uh, life of service class, right? Yep. Yeah. So brother Minoro actually came into that class and I don't even, I, I don't remember anything about this class. I just remember this one statement he made and he said that witness Lee and watchman Nee got 80 to 85% of everything from other people. And I like, I almost fell off my chair. Okay. 
Now, the, the reason why this accusation oftentimes happens is because people are scared that you're only reading one person. They're scared. And, and it, can, it can play into this concept or this concern that, oh, you're like Mormons, Joseph Smith, all these types of things. So one of the ways to alleviate that I have found is, is to kind of educate them on church history. It, church history is the best inoculator. And you just, you just go through church history and you actually, if you, okay, saints, honestly, if you study just a little bit, you don't have to put a ton of time into this. Most Christians, the only name they know is Martin Luther. Okay. And that's not just because I'm in Germany, like Christians across the planet, they, they, you say church history, it's like basically Acts 28 ends. And then it's like Martin Luther shows up, you know, like that's basically their knowledge of church history. Okay. And it's like, and, and Martin Luther is like this stepping stone till now. And we have no idea what's, what's happened. And so if you can just, if you can just start explaining to them, that actually Watchman Nee had this photographic memory and he actually went through all of these books. And there were so many books that, that he had like a special, uh, you know, way to his desk because there were so many books in his room. And he basically compiled all of this information and he's given it to us. Okay, this is the thing. This is the thing. Why should I do the job all over again? Why? Like, I'm not saying that nobody, and I don't, I don't think we should say this, we should never say that nobody has anything else to offer, okay? But if I only have 15 minutes in the morning, okay, before I go to work, am I supposed to get into Andrew Miller's church history on, on the way to work and, and dig into that? And you know what I'm saying? It's just not logical, it's just not logical. And so if the work has already been done, why reinvent the wheel? And so this is, this is one thing that I like to, to uh, say. Obviously, we also need to educate them on the fact that I'm not following a man. I, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm not. Okay, There is something that I see in the Bible that they talk about. When I read them, I, I fall in love with the Lord more because this is a betrothing ministry, okay? I can't deny that. I can't deny that when I read the books, I don't love the Lord more. And another thing that's also very important, important to point out, and maybe the brothers can, can kind of help me out here after, but like, basically, um, well, yeah, maybe you guys should just take over. I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I just, I just, I know, I know the fear, but you got to just walk them through it. I, I, I also, yeah, whatever. I can't say anything else. <laughs> well, maybe uh, I'd like to share briefly. Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I came from a whole different background. And then uh, when I became a believer, I read a number of books, uh, C.S. Lewis, Francis Schaeffer, um, you know, a couple of Catholic writers, uh, you know, I, I read a number of things. Uh, then I, I was introduced to Watchman Nee's book, uh, The Normal Christian Life. 
And when I read that book, uh, I mean, the other books I enjoyed, but this one I just felt was, was very weighty. It was, it was gold. It was gold. And it made a big impact on me, you know, because there was something about the weight of the ministry in that book where I realized this person really knows the Lord. And uh, through the help of that book, I also, it kind of registered something within me where I also wanted to know the Lord. Then uh, when we met the brothers, the brothers invited us to a a meeting with a, they described him as a co-worker of Watchman Nee. And we, well, I attended this meeting. It was in a public school auditorium. I walked into the back, sat in the back row and, you know, Witness Lee was up there speaking. And uh, this was in the early seventies. So his Chinese accent was still fairly strong. Of course, he had an accent his whole life, but uh, in the seventies, it was even stronger than it was in the eighties and nineties. And uh, so I, and, and what he was, what he was talking about, he was, he was speaking about first John, the book of first John. And to be honest, I didn't really understand a whole lot of what he was saying. Uh, But one thing that what really uh, registered with me is to me, he was the same thing as Watchman Nee. In other words, they said he was a coworker, but when he spoke, what registered inside me was I felt that I was, it was as if I was reading the normal Christian life again, because the weight of his speaking was such that I felt very much that the Lord was being conveyed to me, that Christ himself was being ministered to me in his speaking. And so my, my feeling as I looked at him was, this is really a man of God. This is really a man of God. He's not just popping off with something off the top of his head. And he's not speaking things that he does not know about. In other words, his life matched his speaking. That's, that was my registration as I observed him. And so surely this made a strong impression on me. But I can tell you, saints, that Witness Lee is not the reason I'm still here. This was, when I first saw him, this was 1975. What do you think is going to keep a person in the Lord's recovery and in the church life? It's not going to be following a man because that's only going to get you so far. Following a man is not going to be the thing that sustains you through the, the experiences and the sufferings of human life. You need something much more than that. What you need is you need a personal knowing of Christ. And you need to understand what is it that the Lord is doing on the earth? What is it? What is his aim? What is his goal? What does he want to achieve among his people? You need to see what that is in order for you to be, be kept, in order for you to stick around. Otherwise, there's plenty of reasons to move on if, you're, if all of what you have is following a man. Following a man is not going to get you very far. 
And I would just like to uh, read to you a quote that I first heard about in my early years in the church life, uh, made a big impression on me, and, and I hope also makes an impression on you. This is, this is actually from the book, The Vision of the Age, and this is an experience Brother Lee describes in which he was talking to Watchman Nee because people accused Witness Lee of following a man. And at the time, Watchman Nee was going through some persecution. There was some rejection of him. Uh, and, and it was a kind of a suffering. And so Witness Lee went to him to spend some time with him. And he encouraged him in a very interesting way. He said, I this is Witness Lee speaking. He said, I told Brother Nee, even if one day you do not take this way, I will still take this way. I am not taking this way because of you. And I will not leave this way because of you. I have seen that this is the Lord's way. I have seen the vision. And so to me, saints, that's, that's the heart of the matter is we're not here because of Witness Lee. We're not here because of Watchman Nee. We're here because we have seen a vision. And we have seen that what we hear about, what we talk about, is altogether according to God's word. And not only so, but we ourselves have seen something according to a spirit of wisdom and revelation, which Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1. We have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we've seen something which causes us to take this way. So it has really nothing to do with the man. We have the greatest respect for Witness Lee and Watchman Nee. And sometimes we make the mistake, to be honest with you, sometimes we make the mistake too often of saying, Witness Lee says this, Witness Lee says that. He himself said, don't say that. He encouraged us a number of times to say, no, don't refer to things as Witness Lee says. You need to learn to say the Bible says. Because his whole burden was to help us to get into the Bible and to understand the meaning of the Bible. So he was not looking to insert himself in as a kind of mediator or a filter by which we could learn the Bible. No, he wanted to bring us into the Bible, the heart of the Bible itself. So sometimes we do make the mistake of overstating. Witness Lee says this, Witness Lee says that. And so I'm thankful, so thankful that what we have is something that's been wrought into us by the Lord himself. We all need personal dealings and, and transactions with the Lord so that we have the confidence that the, the, the way we're taking really is the Lord's way. Yeah, um, we're not, uh, we're not Neites and we're not Leites. Um, and, uh, I think this thing, uh, actually points, points, um, to a lot that can be going on in, in someone, 
so one thing is like, you know, just you only have two, you know, it seems like you just have two authors. Why is that? Um, and then the other thing is, well, so then the, does that mean that you're now, you just, you basically follow a man. And so for, um, a lot of Christians that can start putting you in, in kind of Mormon territory. It's like, you're following this guy. And, uh, I think, uh, like, like brother Ray was saying, um, uh, we, we don't, we don't follow, you know, just helping them to realize we're not, we're not following the, the men we're following the vision that they saw because the vision that they saw is the same vision that Paul opened up. And so, and, and you can test that, you know, that's something that's that, and that's something we should test. Actually, we should have the conviction that what uh, what um, witness Lee spoke and what Watchman Lee Watchman Nee spoke is that also what um, it's also what Paul spoke. And um, as Brother Ray was saying, you know, in at least two different places that I found, he says you should say Paul says. Why are you saying witness Lee says? I didn't say it. Paul said it. Um, and uh, I think it may be helpful to realize, you know, whenever we come to the Bible, every single one of us is using a can opener to open up the Bible. And, you know, uh, so I don't know about, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with someone like this right now. You know, they just, they don't, they don't like any, you know, they just want to get into the Bible by themselves. And that's, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But we have to, re, you know, at some point, you have to realize that, you know, they're using themselves as a can opener to get into the Bible. They're not, there's no way you can approach the Bible, quote unquote, objectively. We will always be looking at the Bible with a, with with a particular kind of particular set of glasses, and so when we um, come to the Word, we have to consider what is the best can opener to use to open up what is in the Word. So I can either use myself and whatever my history and my experience is. Or I can use the ministry of these two brothers, which relies on what has been recovered over the past almost 2,000 years. To me, that seems like a much better can opener. Um, because I'm not just relying on myself, and I'm not just relying on those two men. I'm relying actually on what has been recovered by believers over over, over many centuries. Anyway, um, yeah, sometimes that can be reassuring to people. Um, I think now we're going to start, we, we're going to get into terminology. Yeah. Okay. 
this is this is okay yeah we are we are we're going to get into the lord's recovery language and and uh i the only reason okay this is over the last couple days i've made a very very long list and i'm going to read you this list and the reason i'm going to read this list is i want you to be uh i want you to put their shoes on okay maybe maybe you went through this experience already okay but i'm gonna i i basically made a list that someone who who comes in amongst us and we're all communicating with ourselves okay there is nothing wrong with the language that we have there's nothing wrong with it okay because we're trying to put thoughts and concepts and things to a spiritual realm that i mean what do you what do you do it's not like saying apple and like here's an apple like and these are these are deep profound things that that there's there's a certain language that we understand when we're speaking but but when you first come in you feel really stupid okay you feel really stupid and the thing is you're always trying to catch up and you're trying to do it uh you're trying to do it the best you can really it's like people are saying these words and you know i understand that word uh, a little bit differently than you do in the context of what you're talking about. And so this is where I'm saying like things are caught a lot of times. You're trying to catch it and put it in the context of how it was used and make sense of it. Okay. And so unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of these, uh, all these terms that I'm going to read off, we need to explain to people. I need to, if I'm taking care of someone, I need to go through these words and I need to, I, maybe we need like a, a words recovery dictionary or something. I don't know. We need, we need to go through these words and we need to explain to them what they mean. Okay. So imagine, imagine, I'm going to read the list now. Nathaniel, are you going to say something? Oh, can I, can I just really fast? There's this go. concept in translation called, called convergence. Did I talk about this last time? I can't remember if we talked about this last time. But basically, um, the best interpreters or best translators, what they do is when they hear something spoken in their native language, what they want to do is they want to then translate or interpret it into the translation language. They want to find the right words to use so it creates the same feeling in the listeners as it does in the native speaker. So that's this concept called convergence where the, the meaning converges for both parties, for the one native speaker and for the one who's listening. And so I think you can apply this to here. You know, if I use the word economy and I, I, I remember <laughs> this is, I mean, this was like, this is a classic example okay if i use the word economy i think many of us on this call we have a shared understanding of that word and we have a lot of appreciation for that word you know and we really we really like that word okay but i was in a conference when we could when we had in-person conferences uh, a year or two ago and 
the brother who was speaking used the word economy a lot, which was great. And then uh, after the, the meeting, uh, this person came up who I think was a brother, a brother, you know, from some group came up and he was so bothered. He was so bothered by using the word economy because in his mind, economy meant the system of commerce that we have today, you know, demand and supply. And so he thought that when the brother was speaking, he was applying the system of commerce to the Bible. And he was really, really bothered by that. So that's an example of that's not convergence. You know, when the brother was speaking, he was speaking about God's arrangement to distribute or dispense what he is into us so that we can become his corporate expression. See, now most of what I just said, you'd have to explain to somebody. <laughs> um, but uh, that's not what, what, the, what the brother understood. He thought we were talking about, you know, um, limited demand, uh, limited supply, unlimited demand, commerce, stock markets. That's what he thought we were talking about. So anyway, that's just a little example of convergence. Go ahead. This is a very good example. You know, it's, yeah, I hear the word economy and then I, I think, you know, like God doesn't like mammon. You can't worship both God and mammon. Why are you talking about economy? trying to make sense of it okay so that's funny because that's the first one on the list economy okay so this is i'm going to just go through this as quickly as i can and i i have just in my knowledge of hannah and cassette and i i just have a feeling that they're going to start laughing okay because this is the, the, you know they're not they didn't grow up in this and so they went through the same thing i did okay so here we go this is my list Economy, reality, dispense, courting, consummate, end his humanity, partake, portion, that would be the next portion, read this portion, enjoy, offended, brothers, regenerated, speak forth, amen, used as a greeting or when things become awkward, okay, you all know what I'm talking about. You're in this conversation and things just got a little awkward and you're like, your exit parachute is saying, amen. Amen. Okay. Or, or it's been used as good morning. You know, I see someone in the morning. Amen. Amen. It's like, what in the world? Okay. Church life. Propagation. Pneumatic. Processed. Cover the situation. Human living. Someone just saying, oh, Lord, it's like, whoa, like what just happened? Like, okay, <laughs> using, using the term God, man, even when you're in referencing the Lord, I've never, I never grew up hearing that Jesus was a God man, okay? Didn't disagree with it, but okay. Realms, uh, confirmation, soulish, church kid, okay? That, that barbecue that I went to, there was someone, there was a full-timer that came up to me. Don't worry, full-timers on the list. There was a full-timer that came up to me and, 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 and ended up asking me, am I a church kid? 
and I'm like playing soccer with everybody. And I started considering like, well, I grew up in the church my whole life. And I ended up telling them, I'm like, I'm, I grew up in the church my whole life, but I'm not what you just called me because I could tell like it was a thing. Okay. So locality, the, the, the full-timer totally freaked out when I did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're a church kid. Okay. Locality, brother's house, sister's house, saints, the saints, the ministry, ministry books, ministry meeting, home meeting, prophesying meeting, a lot of meeting, table meeting, meeting hall, remnant, the Lord's table, crystal, companions, burden, pray reading, fellowshipping, declare, blend or blending, this list is long, the riches, go out on the gospel, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a wave, I don't know why we say that, but I, I still say it. I still say it. Let's go out on the gospel. Being, being, uh, oh, this is, this is my being or deep in my being. Okay. Training, reality of the body, perfecting, constituted, Lord's day, corporate expression, our brother, the brothers. I, I don't, who, who are they? You know, like, like when that term's used, the, we got to go talk to the brothers. I'm like, I'm like looking around, like who, who are the brothers? Okay. Shepherding life studies. I, I remember seeing life studies in, in a, in a home meeting. I walked in and I saw the green encyclopedias up there. And I literally thought, I'm not kidding. I literally thought that the reason they're called that is because it will take your whole life to read them. Okay. That's why I thought they were called life studies. And, and little, 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 little did I know, little did I know that oh, it's, man. It's, it's a study on life. See, the thing is, I'm trying to make sense of something. I, I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> Transfigure. That's okay. the first time I heard that one, Trevor. You, I mean, maybe we should read it our, our whole, whole life. life. Yeah. I, I thought so it was then, the, the study of like Witness Lee's life or, or one of their lives. Like, oh, we're studying them because they were like such good brothers. I don't know. When I first heard life study, that's what I thought it was. Oh, gosh. Cassette, that's so much worse. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. So I was so, like, uh, yikes. Okay. So I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Okay. Secrete. Okay. Turning to the Lord. Oh, life juice. Life juice. I know I skipped life juice because it's too weird. So, but it is a thing. Okay. When we start talking about the pearls in revelation, we talk about the life juice being secreted over the sand. Okay. The whole thing. It's just like, what are you? Okay. It's amazing saints. It's amazing. Okay. I'm just saying these are things that they don't understand. Okay. Yeah. Appointments using the word uttermost. I, I, I didn't even know that was an English word honestly, and, until I, until I came into the church life. Okay. Pattern, uh, intrinsically incorporation, gain increase, touching the Lord. Okay. I'm sure you could make the list longer. And the only reason I was reading that, okay. I'm not trying to make fun of anything. I'm not saying that we don't use these terms because they all have deep meaning. Many of them are actually very scriptural. But the fact of the matter is when I come in, I feel very stupid because I don't know about, I, 
I, I joke with people that I, I live in Germany and I know two languages. It's called English and church life. Okay. And, and I, unfortunately I don't know German yet, but the, but the thing is, it is a language that you have to learn and it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming all these things flying at you. And so the thing is when we're shepherding someone, we just need to take care of them. Like I need, there's a lot of education that needs to take place and concepts. This is the, this is the bad part. They can develop concepts that that word is totally not what that means because you didn't educate them. And then it comes out years later. It's like, Oh, I always thought that, you know, whatever word meant this. And it's like, no, that's totally wrong. You know? And so th this is the thing we need to educate people. We need to educate them. Okay. Now I think we're, I think we're going on to other terminology and maybe like some things that you can say to people under certain circumstances. Uh, these, is that where we're at right now? Yep, that's where we are. Okay. Hannah Cassette, how are you? How are you doing? How are you guys doing? Is this good? I'm sure we both could tell a lot of stories about those words, but maybe for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Whenever you start hitting this stuff, it just like starts. All these experiences start coming up, and you know. Hannah, you you. Uh... We got to know you a little bit. You came and visited us in Dublin one time, and uh, we really enjoyed our time with you. And so you haven't been around that long. Uh, do you relate to what uh, what we're talking about here? Um, yeah, I do. I do in many ways. Like one short story. When I, when I met the saints first, we were driving to one of those home meetings. And another sister was visiting from another locality and she was just like chatting with me. And her first question to me was like, so which locality are you from? And I, I didn't even meet, I didn't even know what locality means. I was like, yeah. uh, uh, I'm from Germany and I didn't really know how to answer this question. So yeah, it was one of those experiences. But I take it there have been a number of them, huh? Not just that one. Yeah, but also, there were also good experiences where people really sure. explained to me what like what things mean and yeah the deeper meaning. So it's both. Right, right. I remember the first time I heard the word full timer. I put it in the context of like being like a full time Christian or like a full time student. So like we were at this. Um, actually, my first meeting was a prayer meeting, not a table meeting. It's kind of I went there by accident. But anyways, so we were doing some introductions, and we had some other full timers visiting us from like from the from Georgia, um, the state, and um, and they were like coming down, and they're like, if you're a full timer, stand up. And so I stood up with all the other full timers. And this was like I have been in the church life, or I guess I had the saints like a week before, and I stood up because I'm like, well, I'm a full time Christian and I'm a full-time student so I'm probably a full-timer and the full-timer <laughs> that brought me to that meeting was like um they mean like you just just sit down and so then later they were like they explained to me what a full-timer was but I thought that was funny <laughs> that's great well cassette we're all full-timers right I'm okay. right <laughs> yeah so, so this is or we should be um okay so this this part of it is we're gonna we're gonna like how do you address some of these? We're definitely not doing that whole list. Definitely not. Okay. But how do you address, we, we kind of hit like certain ones that come up a lot. Um, 
calling everybody brothers, sisters, and, and everyone else saints. Um, basically, this is, this is easy, okay? It's, it's very scriptural. It's biblical. Uh, you obviously need to, and actually, this is a great opportunity to, to uh, have like a little mini appointment at like, what ground do we have to call each other brothers and sisters? Is, is, it, is it legal? Is it adoption? You know, so so you can you can actually turn this type of question, uh, and it's it's overwhelming. You know, everyone everyone says bro all the time, all this stuff. So so yeah, that's how we that's how we greet each other. I don't maybe we should do a holy kiss like the Bible tells us to. I don't know that would be kind of you know, anyway. So so that's just a greeting that we do, and and or or a way we communicate things. And another one, another one that also happens, saints, saints mean sanctified one. So we can, we can just, it, it's a really good opportunity to educate the person on this and that it's not, it's not strange. Actually, the Bible does this. Paul does this. We like the Bible. That's what we try to do. Um, one thing is I, I enjoyed and I appreciated. Okay. These are phrases that are used all the time. Um, one thing, one thing I would say is, you know, a lot of times these are used at the beginning of someone speaking and I don't know about all of you and I'll just tell the person this, you know, it, it, the hardest thing about starting to speak is starting. And most of the time you hit a lot of filler words like, um, and, uh, um, 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 okay. And one of the, one of the ways we try to avoid that is we just say, well, I really enjoyed, or I really appreciated, and then it kind of like kickstarts the the speaking, and then you keep going. Now, um, do we use it too much? For sure, yeah. Like maybe you didn't even enjoy that, but it's kind of like a default term that you just automatically use. Um, but anyway, those are just those are two things and and ways that you can kind of explain it. Nathaniel, you got you got the next one, bro. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the next one is is basically, um, you know, and this comes when when um, uh, a lot of times people, if they're reading, they're actually reading ministry books, and they'll they'll sometimes what they'll encounter is they'll because uh, th they'll encounter um, um, brother Lee or or brother Nee, they'll say something, and it's very. Um, well, he's just being very direct and very blunt. And he's basically focusing on one particular angle of, a, of, a, of something. And, and then he doesn't say anything else. And so then they see that and it's like, well, what about the other side? What about the other side of this, this issue? And, um, but what they may not be aware of is that actually a few chapters later or a few messages later or in another conference he spoke about the other side and so there's this this characteristic of his speaking a lot of times where he doesn't try to balance himself you know because and, and so the books they are transcriptions of spoken messages he's not sitting there and writing and you know he's speaking and oftentimes he's speaking not oftentimes it's like all the time he's speaking with a very particular feeling 
and he's even trying to address a certain kind of situation. And so he's not considering, oh, how is someone 20 years from now going to consider this statement? You know, that, that's not, you know, he's, he's just, you know, speaking according to the leading of the spirit and uh, flowing out, you know, what, whatever, whatever it is he's, he's speaking. And so, but it, it's sometimes I think it's helpful just to give people some perspective. So when they encounter statements um, in the ministry that they may consider as like, well, you know, there's another side to this. I was like, yeah, there is another side. And he spoke about it here, you know, but you just have to realize, you know, that's his, 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 um, his view in speaking was not to try to balance himself every time he makes every time he makes a statement, he's trying to release a burden. And so um, that's something that I think um, when newer people are reading the ministry, it's just something to help them to kind of get used to um, because it's, it may not be something that you encounter um, in other Christian books, because in a lot of other Christian books, those were written. And so the person is sitting there and they're considering things and stuff like that. But a lot of brotherly speaking is transcription of spoken messages. So anyway, I think that's just something that maybe is helpful to let people know. And then the other thing was related to, you know, when we may say a lot or, you know, we're, we, we're with some new ones and they're in a, in a meeting and, and they hear, you know, people say a lot, you know, brother Lee says this or brother Lee says that. And I think we've already touched on that. Um, you know, just, uh, even Brother Lee's view is we should, we should really try to say the Bible says, and 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 it's helpful just to explain to them. It's like, look, yes, a lot of you know a lot of people may say that, but even Witness Lee, his view was, you should say the Bible says, because, you know, we really need to speak the word. We're not um, we're not following a person. We're following the vision that they saw, and so we're speaking that vision. And that vision is the same vision that Paul saw and that he wasn't disobedient to. Um, okay. Trevor, your turn. I, I, I want to add one thing, one thing to, uh, yeah. uh, to this. An example, an example would be, and I, I, really, I really like um, what Nathaniel said about these statements that are sometimes said in the books. Obviously, I really struggled with it big time. Uh, it was it was hard for me. Um, a brother a brother once explained to me though that and this was really helpful. This could be something that you use. If you try to balance something that you're saying, it completely undermines the point that you're making. And so, an example an example of that would be sin has horrible consequences. Okay, and and so I say that. But then I follow that up and I say, but God will forgive you. Okay. By, by saying that God will forgive you, which is true. Both, both aspects are true. But, but the thing is, a lot of times when, when Witness Lee was speaking, he's trying to make a point. A point. Okay. And, and, it's, and this is exactly, I was just trying to give an example of what Nathaniel was talking about. It's like, it's like if I, in a message, try to make the point that sin has horrible consequences, and then at the very end of the message, I go, but God will forgive you. 
it completely, it doesn't, everything I said before doesn't matter. And so this, this is the whole, this is the whole point is we need to be balanced, even though something that we're reading, it, he might not balance it immediately, but he'll balance it somewhere else. That's actually why you can use the ministry any way you want. And you can just throw quotes at each other because, you know, anyway, that's, that's like a whole nother aspect. Okay. So one of, one of the, one of the uh, things that we have on here is uh, exercise your spirit. Okay. Was this one of the things that people struggle with? I guess. Okay. So yeah, this when, is yeah. This, when you say when you yeah. Oh, okay. Like in what context are we like? What does that even mean? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So obviously, this is a great opportunity to educate the person that their three parts: their body, soul, and spirit, based on First Thessalonians five twenty-three. And, and just, just like, um, uh, you know, actually, I, I don't know the verse off the top of my head, but it says exercise unto godliness. Okay. And so there's, there's a, there's an organ in you called your spirit and you need to exercise it. You need to work it out. And one of the ways you, there's multiple ways you can work it out. I'm sure a lot of you know what those are, but let's, let's just keep moving on, bro. I have a question though. I have a question and it's the next one. Um, when I exercise my spirit, uh, I, this is another thing that's caught, not something that's taught. Okay. So you see someone go up to the mic or, or they're doing it while they're singing or declaring and they pump their elbow, bro. Do I need to pump my elbow in order to exercise my spirit, Nathaniel? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, thank you. We're going to move on to the next one. And the so that's next very one, simple. Story this is, no, you don't. Is it like an origin so, story? Like ahead. I noticed that too, and I like I don't I've never understood that. Like what? Hey, cassette. This is the deal. If it if it helps them, if it helps them, then then amen. Okay, it doesn't help amen. me. I've tried it. I've tried. Cassette. I've tried. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. My spirit's so not in my elbow. Okay. So, so I, anyway, but, but the thing is, the thing is, I'm not, again, I don't want to make fun of it. It's the fact that if it helps someone else, I want them to experience the Lord. And if they do that and it helps them, then so be it. It doesn't help me. Okay. But sometimes you can catch that in a meeting and you're like, gosh, do I need to do that? <laughs> no. Okay. The answer is no. So, this is, this is our next one. You're in a table meeting, okay? And there's a lot of things that are happening in a table meeting that can be very stumbling. Like what's going on over there? People are yelling things over there, okay? I'm, I'm not, this is actually a true story, okay? This is a true story. I, I, and this is another experience I had coming in. I went to my first college meeting and after the song was over, and when I was growing up, the song's over. You just sit down, okay? All of a sudden, I'm filled with a room of like 200 people. And this person at, on the front row starts yelling, you know? And I like, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, what is that person doing? You know, and they're, I don't even know what they're yelling, okay? I couldn't even hear them. But, but actually, I'm observing how everybody's going to respond to this person yelling. Because I'm like, man, they're disrupting the meeting, you know? And so, 
So then, then everybody was like, everybody said amen afterwards. And I was like, oh, wow, these, these people, it's, I'm not making fun of this. This is literally the thought that went through my head. So the Lord cover me. Okay. Like I literally thought these people are so incredible. They're like helping this person with Tourette, you know, they're, they're encouraging them, you know, and then, and then this person next to me started yelling and, and I started freaking out. I had no idea what declaring was. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, does everybody in this room have Tourette's? Okay. The thing is, the thing is, that's just something that you catch. Okay. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. And so I learned, I learned later. Okay. There's another one in the table meeting and people do this about halfway through. Now saints, let's sing to the father with him blank. Okay. Okay, so some people would take that. Who were who we singing to before? Because you just said, now let's do it. Okay. And I haven't been educated. I haven't been educated on what's going on in the meeting. Like, what are you doing? Okay. And the thing is, the, the thing is, okay, uh, maybe Nathaniel could do this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the thing, the thing is, the thing is, you just need to educate them. Okay. It's not that yeah. we weren't singing, we weren't singing to, to the Father God before, but there's a transition that happens in the table meeting. And and we just need to we just need to educate them. That's all. But they, right. these things can be stumbling. They can be stumbling. Like what do you what are they doing? You know? Okay. I do I go to the next one or do you guys want to chime in? I, I don't know. Well, I just think the underlying point is absolutely right, Trevor, uh, brothers, uh, you know, especially in our shepherding, these are lambs, you know, and we have to uh, approach them from the standpoint, they're new, there's an innocence there. Of course, some of them, may maybe they've been believers for a number of years, that's fine, but, you know, to get introduced to the church life and in our meeting life, by all means, it is really the best way is to is to let them know what to expect. When people get hit, at, you know, just out of the blue with something, it, it, it has more of an effect on them, more of an impact on them uh, than when you've had the opportunity to let them know we're going to we're really happy you want to join us in, in the Lord's table meeting. And we carry out the Lord's table just as the Lord described in the Gospels, you know, the bread and the wine. And then they, they went out and they worshiped the Father. And, and so we have this kind of transition that takes place. And then we'll have, you know, after that, we'll have a kind of prophesying. We use the word prophesying. We're not. And again, that's a word that needs to be explained and defined prophesying what does this mean are you all predicting the future or what's going on here and so uh i think i think this matter of educating the people is absolutely right yeah Amen. let's let's keep blowing through should we yeah okay so the next one yeah Okay, so the next one, we need to talk to the brothers. Okay, so let's say I'm talking to this new person and, and they say that, like, well, we're going to have to talk to the brothers. Okay, 
you know, honestly, it, it will, in my experience, I'm already talking to a brother usually. And so I'm like, well, wait, like who, who, again, who are you talking about? And so this is just, this is again, just educating, educating them on the brothers is, you know, oftentimes used in a phrase, we're talking about the brothers taking the lead, the, the, the brothers who are shepherding the flock. Um, that's who we're talking about. Um, you know, another one, another one really quick, another one really quick is like, I got, when I was in college, I got this brand new like Blackberry and this brother came up to me. I was brand new. This brother came up to me and he goes, he goes, brother, can, can we, can we fellowship about your phone? And, and I was just like fellowship about my phone. Like, and I just said, no, but we can talk about it if you want you know, and, and then he, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's what I, that's what I meant, that's what I meant, but th this is just another example, we, you know, we just use words sometimes that maybe are, are in the right context, I don't know, maybe the Lord's going to be involved in that fellowship over the Blackberry, okay, keep going. <laughs> the other thing is, uh, is like, it, and Trevor alluded to this in the experience he had, but just uh, church kids, that's not a common term that's that's used a lot like a more common more common terms are like if you're a pastor's kid or even you're a missionary kid um so but church kid is like kind of what is that what is that so just um i think <clears throat> again it's just educating you know when we mean it when we say church kid we're talking about somebody who grew up they grew up in this thing <laughs> so yeah Okay, the, the last then, uh, one on the, the last one, the last one on the terminology list um, has to be the 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 in, inflational amens. Okay, um, I come into a room and everybody's saying amen and kind of this. It's not just amens. Actually, sometimes it's just in our speaking in general. We kind of just start dragging out what we're saying. And the thing is, like, the thing is, uh, I, I kind of refer to this as sing talking. It's not singing and it's not talking. It's kind of like this hybrid thing. And again, again, this is, um, this really bothered me. It very much stumbled me. Why are they doing that? Um, it happens a lot of times when we're praying, things like that. And the thing is, the thing is, the person just needs to, they need to pray however they want. They need to talk however they want. And, and I just encourage them a lot of times when they have problems in these areas, just be as genuine and real with the Lord as you can. And again, like none of us are the spiritual police. We shouldn't be. Um, and, and just kind of bring them into this idea that, uh, that you, you, the, point, the point is to touch the Lord. The point is to get to him, okay? And, and so if that person on the other side of the room, if they need that in order to get to him, then, then who am I to say anything? But, but for me, I, I just need to deal with myself. I just need to deal with myself. And, and not everybody in this room agrees with everything. That's the beauty of it to me, is, is everybody has different thoughts and opinions and all this stuff. But the vision is what brings us together. So this is just kind of, uh, okay. I don't know if that's good or. Yeah. Amen. 
Keep going. So that's, we've covered, we've covered um, the whole brother-sister separation thing. We've covered um, you only read Watchmen, Witness Lee uh, terminology. And then the next thing is uh, footnotes. So this is kind of sometimes what will happen is they'll 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 get the re, you know they'll someone will give them a copy of a of a recovery version or they'll get a copy for themselves and they'll open it up and the first thing they see is like first of all it's kind of confusing because uh, and this may not be confusing for everybody but when you first open it it's like okay where are the verses. And, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of like, it's like, and you may not even notice first at first that some, some text is larger than other texts. So it just seems like, okay, what is going on here? This is not like a Bible that I'm usually used to looking at. Usually I just see verses, but there's all this other stuff. And so, um, and so one thing is that sometimes they can, the question comes, well, why do you use, why does your Bible have more footnotes? Why do the footnotes take up more space than the actual verses? And so this is, this is something that um, comes up and sort of like, you know, the Bible is really profound. And why, why don't, why can't you just let the Bible speak for itself. Why do you have to put so much of your own thought in there? Okay. That's a lot of times one of the, some of the questions that'll come up. And, um, uh, one simple thing that I, usually I just say, I mean, we talked about the can opener before, but, um, just realizing that, um, the Bible is very profound. And so actually it doesn't detract at all from the profound nature of the scripture to have more footnotes than verses because you need more footnotes to bring out what is in the verses. Um, so it's not intended in any way to displace the verses or to obscure the verses. It's actually an indication of the profound nature of the divine, of the scripture. Um, that's one thing that I've said in the past, but then there'll also be a question about who wrote the footnotes. Like, where did all these things, where did all these footnotes come from? Okay. And so anyway, there's different things you can say. One thing I say sometimes, you know, it's actually a team, a team compiled these footnotes and they're taken a lot of times from witness Lee's spoken ministry, which he in turn um, together with Watchman Nee, they gleaned from many Christian speakers, writers, and ministers over the last 20 centuries. So it, it's it's really um, I wouldn't you you know the, actually in the introduction to the recovery version it says it's a crystallization, but people may not really quite understand what that what that yeah, word what means. Does that mean? um, <laughs> So I, I would just say they've distilled the essence. They've 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 kind of skimmed the cream off of the last 20 centuries of everything that's been recovered, and uh, of the truth, and and that that it they've really done a service to us by including that in those footnotes. Um, 
I, I have a I have a really cool yeah. diagram thing. Uh, well, not diagram. This is a PDF that I made years ago to kind of help. Um, um, anyway, to help in this area. So this this is actually as far as where the footnotes come from. Of course, it's everything that Nathaniel just said. But this is this is also all of these references are actually in the footnotes. So I went through all of the footnotes and, and found every time it's, it references someone else, okay? So hurry, take a screenshot, okay? Okay, so this is the deal. And it actually shows you what their background is. So I looked up every single one of these, these guys. And these, actually, they're brothers, they're not. So I looked up all these. I, I, I looked up these guys, and yeah. uh, so um, each one of them, it, it shows their background. Whether whether they're Lutheran, whether they were brethren, whether they were Protestant. There's even Anglican uh, priests in there, uh, Baptist, Methodist. Okay, so these these are all uh, people that are referenced within the footnotes. Okay, then this is the this is the fun part of the this thing. Okay. This is how many times in the footnotes other Bibles are referenced here at the top, okay? The Latin Vulgate, the Septuagint, the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? These are all the verses where they are all referenced. Mm. These are other phrases used. Now, this is my favorite part. Throughout the centuries, great teachers of different schools or different schools of interpretation so this is something a lot of times in the footnotes where it brings out, hey, you know what? Other people have a different view on this. And we don't, mm -hmm. we don't know. But this is the best interpretation that we have. But there's this other view also, okay? Or the, the phrase, and these are phrases that are used in the footnotes. Another phrase that's used is others read, okay? Another phrase is used, others translate it or others understand it this way. Okay, and then lastly, some versions translate. So these are all in the within the footnotes of the recovery version. These types of phrases that we don't have all the answers. Actually, the, there's other there's other uh, teachings or other uh, ways of looking at this verse. Okay, I Trevor, just Trevor, yeah. you didn't get that from somewhere else. You went through the recovery version and pulled out all the stuff you just presented. Yeah, I, I'm very impressed. Oh well, I think uh, awesome job, awesome job. I mean, this is great stuff. Uh, the, all the all the different scholars, and then and then these references like this. I think it's I think it's tremendous. Can I have a copy? <laughs> I, I I might get all these like WhatsApp texts asking me. Yeah, 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 yeah of course yeah. you can have a copy. Right on. Okay, so um, can uh, let's let's keep moving here, bro. Okay, next, uh, are we? Are we let's, skipping let's, that one? Uh, in in the words, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's skip a bit, brother. Um, <laughs> are we talking uh, about the training? Hey, you know what? This is simple. Okay, people feel okay, pressured. Yeah. Go to the training. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this, okay? Oftentimes, the fellowship I give is first of all, you don't have to go. It's a leading from the Lord. 
the reason I went is because it was a logical decision. Um, I realized that I was not a good Christian and I needed help. Okay. And so that's, that's why I went. Um, I didn't have this deep, profound feeling from the Lord that you had to go. Some people do. And the fact of the matter is I gave uh, Satan as Pharaoh uh, decades of my time to train me in the world. And, and that's needed to function as a human being, but that's his system. And I needed, I, I thought it was appropriate to give the Lord two years. And so that's, that's what I did. I gave the Lord two years of my time. Some people don't feel led to do that. And that's totally fine. That's between, that's totally fine. It doesn't make you any less of a person. Okay. So anyway, I don't, that's, that's, that's a really, really fast version of kind of what I say in a more loving way. Okay. Yeah. Wait, no, it's, you want to, it's good. Hey, yeah. hey uh, uh, let's skip the full-timer part. I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah. Basically what we do is we name everything exactly what it is. And it's something I really appreciate. Okay. They, they serve full time. That's a meeting hall. This is a table meeting. Like we, this it's amazing. Okay. I don't have to try and figure out what something is. We just name it exactly what it is. So that's kind of what a full timer is. What do you, what yeah, do you a lot of our terminology is, is very descriptive. And so that's maybe some way, one way to just kind of explain it. It's like, why, do you, why is that person called a full-timer? Because they are serving the Lord with all of their time and they, they are not, you know, working a job on the side. You know, they are, that's what they're doing. But I think we all know from um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 that we all are living to the Lord regardless of whether we're um, working with a job or whether we um, are serving with all of our time, we are living to the Lord. And so being full-time is, you know, practically speaking, a lot of times it, it refers to people who are serving with all of their time, but really and truly, it's actually related to a matter of the heart. It's related to our heart, whether we're actually full-time at the end of the day, the Lord, when we meet him is not going to be, you know, Oh, uh, everybody called you a full-timer. Therefore you're a full-timer. He'll be looking at our heart. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, the hey, next got, section is, yeah. yeah. I, my, my question is, uh, well, I think a lot of life practices you guys have are weird. What would what would you say, Nathaniel? That that's the next section, by the way. Yeah, I can totally get why why you would think that. Um, there's a lot of amens, people calling the Lord really loudly, especially when they do it corporately. Um, corporately means all together. Um, and then uh, 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 pray reading. What is pray reading? Um, very simply, the way I describe pray reading, somebody asked me recently, and I was, wait, who asked me? Kieran asked me, I think. 
Kieran asked me uh, what pray reading was. So I just was like, pray reading is taking the Bible, taking the word and making it your prayer. That's pray reading. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of times people do pray reading in like all together. Okay. And then when they do that, there's like interesting ways that happens. Okay. And so sometimes people have questions about pray reading all together. And it's like, it's just a way that it's done so that, you know, you can do it all together. Don't get hung up on it. And that's not what you have to do personally by yourself. When you're by yourself with the Lord, just take the word and converse with him over the word. Don't, don't get hung up on this way or that way or, um, and then there's the, there's of course all the scriptural ground. I don't know if we want to cover, cover that, but for saying amen, you know, Deuteronomy in Deuteronomy 27, uh, Moses is speaking and the children of Israel say amen. Okay. And it's just amen, 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 amen. Um, in first Corinthians 14, 16, in Revelation 22, 20, um, actually, I mean, the Lord himself is the amen. So it's, it's, it's the Lord's name, but it, it, it basically means I agree, you know, and we're, we're making what that person is saying. We are in a, we're in a sense, we're almost joining ourselves to what they're saying. So actually we should say amen with discernment, you know, <laughs> actually I catch myself sometimes and I just, We'll just kind of randomly say amen, but, you know, I, I'm learning. I just have, I need to listen to what people are saying, whether, whether or not, you know, I'm actually going to join myself to what, to what's being said. Cause sometimes somebody says something and it's, it's, it's a little, it can be off. So, um, calling on the Lord is a practice that happens throughout the entire Bible starting in Genesis chapter four, going all the way um, until uh, Romans 10, where we call on the Lord um, to be saved. Pray reading, Ephesians 6, 17, we, we take by uh, the word of God by means of all prayer and petition. Okay, so that's very simple um, scriptural ground. Declaring. Um, we speak, we sing and psalm uh, with our hearts to the Lord. That's Ephesians chapter five. Okay. So that's just very, I mean, those are some kind of basic um, uh, scriptural, basic scriptural ground for those practices. Um, I don't know. Do y'all have anything else on life practices? I, I just think the, the main point that, um, when I'm taking care of someone is just like, Hey, this, these things, uh, we have found actually through church history. If you, if you start, uh, really digging into this stuff, we're, we're not like the, we didn't stumble on this last year. Um, people have been doing this for centuries yes. and you can, you can bring up all these different quotes from church history uh, of course, I'm really into that, so you, you might not be, so you can't bring up these quotes, that's fine, but the fact is, the person just needs to be educated on what the Bible says, 
so that's what that's what these verses are and um they they can a lot of times with calling on the lord or pray reading or actually all of these um i i feel like the this is my own personal opinion okay so you can take it or not i feel like doing it corporately is not the best way to start doing it uh, because you can get so caught up in, in what's going on around you. So oftentimes when I'm taking care of someone, I just, I just tell them, Hey, like go home and try it. You know, like I don't even have to be there, but, but just go home and talk to the Lord and call on his name and see what happens. And, and, you know, like you have to learn how to do this in, in your, in your own time, not just when you come together with, with everybody. So that, that's just one thing. It, I think it makes them more comfortable to try it at home by themselves. Obviously, the declaring, I don't know if they're doing that by themselves, but um, yeah, the, the calling on the Lord and the prayer reading needs to be a, a personal thing that you, that you learn to do. Amen. One thing I'd like to jump in with, um, you know, when we talk about the life practices, and the things that we do, uh, you know, especially things like calling on the Lord and pray reading the word, these are items that are in the word itself. I mean, no, nobody's making this up. And, and uh, I think as Trevor just indicated, uh, a lot of these things, we, there's a basis even in church history you know, when you're familiar with some of the writings and the experiences in church history, you realize that many of the things that we talk about are not are not new. It's that they've been recovered. Uh, you know, calling on the Lord, for example, the footnote uh, in the, where, where is that in the Book of Acts concerning calling and 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 the practice even in the Old Testament that the believer that that the uh, god's people called in the old testament and then uh, that the idea that paul identified the early believers by virtue of the fact that they were the callers they called on the lord and and the early christians were identified by the fact that they did this uh these are things that are not commonly understood you know uh among many believers uh certainly if in my background i never heard of anything like calling on the lord or pray reading uh that doesn't mean that there's anything uh that we uh, we need to be embarrassed about when we present these things to people the fact of the matter is uh and and i think what's really being emphasized this afternoon is the matter of education that uh if people could really understand and, and hear us say, here's where, you know, for example, calling on the Lord, we, we have, it's substantiated in the Bible itself. And, and then you can also refer to instances of church history. And one thing, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by uh, saints is that when we talk about the Lord's recovery, when we talk about the local churches, and when we talk about our practices, this, this is not something that just blossomed over the past 10 or 20 years and came out of nowhere. 
neither is this something that was exported over to the US and eventually to Europe out of China. This is something that has its roots in church history and eventually even in the book of Acts. Because, and I say this because, you know, I'm in Dublin now, Dublin, Ireland. And, uh, you know, uh, Trevor pointed out how a couple of the writers, you know, that are referred to in the recovery version, these are brethren writers. You know, John Nelson Darby is kind of the classic example. And, you know, the brethren... And we talked about this in connection with when we did the study on the church in Philadelphia, when we were going through the, the seven churches in Revelation. But the, the brethren, of course, they got that name because somebody gave them a name. They didn't want to have a name because they considered the only name worth talking about was the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they came together to meet, they met in the Lord's name according to the gospel of matthew they met in the lord's name that's the name that they they met by and uh the name brethren came to them later it was applied to them later but the point i'm making here is that when you get into some of the things they talk about and what they teach you realize as i think trevor made the point earlier most most of what we most of what we teach most of what we talk about was developed, or or you might say, uh, promulgated before we ever arrived on the scene. Uh, but the brothers Nee and Lee picked up many of these points, applied them to our current situation, and here we are, carrying out a church life with certain kinds of practices. As we've been saying, we don't insist on these practices, but neither are we ashamed or embarrassed about them because these things are based on the word of God. And these things have been part of the rich heritage of church history. And so uh, an expression that Watchman Nee and Witness Lee both used is that we stand on the shoulders of the brothers that have gone before us. So we, we give them credit where credit is due, whether it's the brethren, whether it's Martin Luther, Calvin, so many others. We need to give them the credit and acknowledge the positive influence they've had on church history. And our roots are based on the things that they discovered and they experienced and that they saw in the word. Uh, but now we are just continuing onward with the benefit of these things that have been opened up to us. And, and so the problem you have, though, is with most people, the sad story of Christianity today is that it's a very shallow, super, superficial kind of situation where most people that we run into don't really know the Bible that well, don't really know the Lord that well. And so when they encounter some of the things that we talk about and that some of the things that we experience, there's definitely a shock value that goes on there you know uh, and they wonder where'd you get this where'd this come from 
Well, actually speaking, if they really knew much about church history or they knew much about the Bible, they wouldn't be so shocked. So our job becomes even the more to help sort of tenderly shepherd them to, to an understanding of what the Bible talks about. And, and, to, and again, we're back to this word of education. We educate them not just to know things, but to realize actually saints, we, we, are, we are the beneficiaries of a great church history in which many seeking believers through the years uncovered golden nuggets in the Bible. Uh, and these things have been passed down to us. So we, we are the beneficiaries. We are the rich inheritors of, of things that of brothers and, and discoveries that have gone on before us. And these things need to be passed on to others, but how we do it is really quite key. And, and I think that uh, I just wanted to make this point that we, we didn't sort of materialize out of the air, you know, that actually speaking, when we talk about the Lord's recovery and when we talk about the local churches, our roots, our history is based on a rich church history that uh, with many that have gone before us. So anyway, sorry, brothers, I didn't want to take too much time with that. Great. Thank you. Um, well, actually, yeah, that's going to take us on to the next point, which is, um, you know, when, when I say I meet with the church in Leeds. Okay, I say, so I'm saying I, I meet with the church in Leeds. Um, so that, that can start sounding uh, a bit exclusive. And so this then comes up, you know, well, are you saying you're the only church? Like what's, what's going on there? And so um, I think it, it's just helpful to, you know, that that's a very, I think, reasonable question. One thing I say a lot of times is, first of all, it's descriptive. So um, we are not, uh, we're not saying we're the only church, we're just saying we are only the church. And um, we have nothing to say, I have nothing to say about how or where others may feel led of the Lord to meet. Um, my view is that I am meeting with a group of believers in the city that I'm in. We're meeting as a testimony of the oneness of the body of Christ in that city. And we are meeting on behalf of all the other believers in that city. So we love them. We receive them as our brothers and sisters. And so by any definition, that is not uh, exclusive. Um, and we are happy to fellowship with uh, believers, uh, with, with our fellow brothers and sisters. Um, our, our fellowship is just based on the faith. It's based on the faith that is common to all believers. So our brothers and sisters who hold to the common faith, we love to have fellowship with them. We treasure the fellowship. Um, they are born again, just as we are. 
and um, you know the 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 fellowship of of the divine life um, flows in their regenerated spirit just as it does in mine, and so I think it's just uh, yeah I think sometimes people can maybe get get the get get the get a pick up a particular kind of impression that that really shouldn't shouldn't be there um we we don't meet um and actually if you if if we want to get into it in our history this was a big deal because um you know there's a a group among the brethren that are exclusive and they um they they would not receive um believers uh, other believers who did not meet with them and um and and so you know uh there was some consideration and based on romans 14 we just receive our brothers and sisters um we love them and we have fellowship with them so anyway i think yeah it's you can it's easy to make this a very complicated thing and i think a lot of times it can just be be very simple i have a quick question um, real fast yeah um just on something mm-hmm. you said i you said believers and then i don't know if you're like correcting yourself or just reiterating you said brothers and sisters so that means anyone who's received the lord is like you can, you can refer to them as brothers and sisters right like it's not just For sure. people in the church like okay yeah okay. absolutely I mean, I don't know what else they would be. Right, yeah. And that makes the most sense. But I feel like sometimes people use the word brother or sister and they just mean like exclusively those who meet in the local churches. But and um, and and you know, that may they may mean that, but that's okay. You know, I mean we have to just understand that based on the word, um somebody who's born again is my brother or my sister in the Lord. And I'm very happy to have fellowship with them. Yeah. I, can I, uh, this is a really good point. Okay. Is that we, we need to, we, we need some form of language to communicate to each other. Okay. And unfortunately what we, we're using language that sounds like we're excluding people when we, when we talk like that. Okay. Of course, of course, if you ask us scripturally, we're not, we know where we stand. We're clear on the fact that these people are saved. Okay. And they're also our brothers and sisters. They're also saints. Okay. But if you're coming to me, let's say you're in Munich with me, you're coming to me and I, and I, uh, you want to go visit, uh, Florida. Okay. And you don't know anybody there. I mean, basically just to shorten what we're trying to say, I'll just be like, Oh yeah, I know some saints there. Okay, that doesn't mean that that obviously means saints that that meet uh, in the same way that we do in the context of what I'm saying. Okay, unfortunately, you can take that as if okay, then everybody else is not a saint. But it's a shortened way of communicating quickly. So, like, I could go into detail. Well, actually, I said I, I know some some believers in Florida that meet in the same way that we do on the ground of oneness, you know, I, I just shorten that all up. And I just say the saints, I know some saints there. Okay. But I totally get what you're saying, because a lot of times you hear that and you start going, well, wait a second, like, 
how do they view other people you know does that make sense yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah okay so th this is this is a a huge thing that was see this is one of the thousand hurdles that i i, I also struggled with okay so the the next section this next section uh is when someone accuses us of being a cult okay and we're trying to we're trying to wrap this up here um but uh this is the, this is the deal anytime a student comes to me and they say i read online that you guys are a cult the first thing i ask them is what type of cult are you talking about okay because guess what i know they don't know i know they don't know and i didn't know and so Basically, I start educating them that there's two different types of cults. There's a theological cult where oftentimes it has to do with the Trinity and how they view the Godhead, okay? 95% of heresies have to do with the Trinity and the Godhead, okay? So is it a theological cult? In other words, they're wrong according to the Bible, People, people that actually under this definition, Jehovah's Witness are a cult and Mormons are a cult, okay? Now, okay, the, the word cult is scary and it's not scary because of this definition of cult because there's a second cult, okay? The other cult is a sociological cult and this is a cult where they don't let you leave, where they control you, where, the, where, where they watch you, they follow you, all these things. And of course, this is, this is where the word is connected to this definition, and this is what scares people. So I, I'll sit down and I'll explain this to them, and I'll say, okay, which one are you accusing me of? Okay, because if it's a theological cult, then you and I can sit down and we can go over the word and tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. If it's a sociological cult, which by the way, you can be both. Okay, you can be both. I'm just, it's not one or the other. But this sociological cult is like Jim Jones, everything that happened in Waco, you know, uh, all this, all this stuff that is dangerous and scary. But then I ask the person, are people following you around? Do, do you feel like you can't leave? It, it, based on your experience, are, are we like super weird and we're like tapping your phone? You know, we're telling you what to do all the time. Okay, in their experience, they're gonna say no. Okay, so I've completely eliminated this scary one. And so now let's move on to the theological cult. Okay, so you, you think that we're wrong according to the Bible? Well, I don't know, I just know what the internet says, okay? And so at that point, it's like, okay, well, let's, what did you read? Okay. But the point is that person is scared, which they should be, okay, which they should be. It, it's not, it's not unreasonable for them to be scared. So if the accusation comes up, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Yeah, it's out there. Actually, what's also out there is I can type in young life cult. And all this stuff on the internet comes up about Young Life, which is a group in the United States. They're not a cult, but the internet says they are, okay? 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that that are out there on the internet, and I just kind of educate the person along the way, and then I can hit I can hit this this whole we were wrong magazine and all these things that is really connected to what was on the internet. But the thing is, the person does not know the difference between the two, and I didn't. Okay, so this helped me out a lot. And it, it's helped out a lot of students when I when I walk them through this kind of thing. Um, okay, I, I was gonna, do you wanna say anything about the cult? Cause I was gonna like say something else about something else, you know what I'm saying? Go for it. I have, I have some practical tips as far as just, just, I'm gonna run through them very quickly. In the church life, this is, this is, Trevor's uh, analysis. In the church life, there's three groups of people, okay? There's the people who are mostly clear and not perfect, okay? There's the people who are trying to be clear and really not perfect. And then there's the brand new people who are coming in, okay? These three tiers of people, um, it's kind of, it's, it's healthy to have all three. You need all three, okay? If you only have one, that's kind of, that's not really good. The, the thing is, a lot of saints say things. This is in a general way what I'm speaking about. A lot of saints say things that are, that are just not, they're not accurate. Okay. They don't represent the Lord's recovery. They're, they're someone who's trying to become clear and they're not clear and they make mistakes. And so a lot of times when I'm shepherding someone, when they, when they say so-and-so said this, it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what, that's, they're just not that clear on that topic. Let, let me, let me try and, let me try and direct you if, if I feel like I am, which I'm not all the time, let me try and direct you to, to someone who is, because that's a very difficult topic. Okay. The problem is what tier do you think is taking care of the people coming in? Well, it's the middle tier who's not that clear and they say things all the time that are just not, not, not that perfect, okay? And so uh, that, that tier of people was taking care of me. And there were a lot of things said to me that, that really hurt me, that really, you know, they, they attacked my, the, the music that I loved growing up. And I'm talking about Christian music. The times where I actually genuinely touched the Lord, undeniably, the music that caused me to turn my heart to God and give my life to him, okay? And then I come in and you're telling me that it's all soulish and evil. Okay, this stuff hurt. It hurt, okay? And so, and so it not until later on in my church life where I brought this up with, with other brothers, one, one of them, I was Ron Kangas when I was in the training, and I brought up a lot of these past offenses, and every single time I brought up one of these things, he just said, well, that brother's not that clear, you know, and just him saying that was such a shepherding to me. He didn't need to adjust it. He didn't need to like go and scold the brother or anything. It was just like, okay, amen. Like I, I'm not, I'm, I'm hurt, but now I'm okay. Okay. That's one thing. Another thing is we need to establish with saints that, that are coming in. The vision is higher than the practice. I never want to be with a group of people who are able to practice the vision that they have because that, that's, that would be scary, okay? 
So the vision, the vision is perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, you know, try to obtain that. And so a lot of the, a lot of the time we don't, we don't, we become an idealist when we first come in and we try to, we try to compare this to the church body. It's not perfect. And you just need to help the person realize this. Okay. Another point. Oh Lord. Okay. I was helped a lot. Someone said to me one time, the harder it was for you to come in, the harder it will be for you to leave. Okay. And this, this was, this has been my experience as far as my own personal experience. And it's also been my experience in, in watching people, people that there's a lot of people I know that came in and they just, they just, they don't have a problem with anything. And then they just kind of leave. And it's like, you know, it's, they seem super positive, but they just, you know, anyway, the point is, the point is the Lord brings us. And I try to tell this to the person, the Lord brings us through a lot of things that, that are uncomfortable and that we need to break through on. And we need to open to him according to second Corinthians one, three, and four, we can then turn around and comfort those who with the same thing that we've been comforted by the father. Okay. So all the, in my shepherding of, of people, all the things that I've been through, I can relate to them. There's very few things that they bring up where I'm, where I'm just like, Oh man, I can't relate at all. So this is something that the Lord does to us. Okay. Um, and then the, the last thing, the last thing I would say is the person needs to feel heard. Something, something that oftentimes happened with me is when I questioned the truth, no one ever had a problem with it. They were incredibly patient with me. They would listen to me because they knew objectively that they were right. Okay. And so they were patient, you know, let's just explain, uh, how about this verse, this verse, this verse, this verse. Okay. When I started questioning the culture of the church life, different things, a lot of saints got really angry. And I noticed this distinction very early on. Like when I touch this, nothing happens. But when I touch this, it's like volatile. So the thing is, the thing is, they just need to be heard. They don't need to be adjusted. Oh, oftentimes. Okay. I just need to feel that someone's on my side, that I'm just being heard and and oftentimes, uh, I just need to feel that I'm not crazy. I have a whole group of people that I like to vent to, and I just, I just need to, I just need, to, I just need to do that. I just need to vent, and I'm not crazy, and I can move on. Okay. So anyway, this is this is kind of, uh, and then I guess the last part is before before Nathaniel kind of does the conclusion. A lot of times this has to do with the truth and also the culture and, and kind of what people touch. Um, their concern, their concern, a lot of times what's hidden in the background is their family and friends. Okay. So, so a lot of times, you know, when I was, I, I desperately wanted, I, I desperately wanted the, the, uh, my, my family and friends to see and experience the same thing I was, okay? And, and so uh, oftentimes I was struggling because I knew, I knew how they would react when they touched certain things because I knew my family. And so it wasn't the fact that I had a problem with it. The fact is that I was burdened for other people that I love, okay? 
And so that that was the reason why I was so upset and that and why I was bothered. And I was trying to break through in this area and try to understand so that I could explain it to them. So this is oftentimes you need to figure this out when you're trying to help someone. Are, are they are they upset personally or is it someone that they're concerned about? OK, that's all I got. Nathaniel, please, please conclude. And, and Ray can put a cherry on top at the end. Yeah, um, one thing is just that uh, when we are, um, well, I, I think sometimes new ones they'll, they'll notice that when we um, when we speak, um, and I, I like what Trevor said that our the vision is always higher than the practice, and so we're we are all in the process. And in order to go through the process, we have to really become visionaries. That is, we have to be controlled by a vision. Um, and a lot of times we run into problems because we are idealists. You know, we, we um, want something to be perfect and it isn't, and we become hurt and disappointed. And so, um, but the thing is, a visionary is somebody they see the goal. They see God's goal. They see the desire of his heart. And then they see how things are around them. And the two don't match, but they're not disappointed because they realize uh, <clears throat> that God will complete what he has started and that we are all going through this process. Um, so one thing is just, uh, you know, sometimes well, maybe I'll just move on from that to the conclusion. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I really like this definition of revival, okay? A revival is to practice, is the practice of the vision we have seen. So I don't know what we think of revival. When we hear the word revival, we think something like really spiritual and wonderful and great and but literally it's when we see something and we practice it we actually practice it we actually live it out that is a revival and so you know you just consider the welsh revival they practiced to the extent of their vision they saw something incredibly precious concerning the redemption of Christ. And they spoke that, they taught it, they lived it, and they brought others into it. And the result was really uh, quite um, amazing. Um, but they could only practice to the extent of what they saw. Okay, so now um, we've seen a lot actually you could say we have the vision of the age. And so our, as a result, we have the highest commission, which is to practice what we've seen. And um, it can seem a bit uh, daunting, but we, there are three elements that we have. One is we have 
uh, this revelation that the God of the universe went through a process to become a man. And uh, so that we as fallen human beings could go through a process to become the same as he is, to become the brothers of the firstborn son of God. Okay, that is a vision, but that vision needs to be lived out in our daily living. And that is the living of a group of people who live out the life of the God-man Jesus. Okay, what does that living out look like? It looks like caring for one another. If I can use this word, it looks like shepherding one another. And so that's actually a lot of what's behind the burden behind what we've been speaking about these last four sessions is um, not being kind of meeting oriented, but being people oriented, not being um, so focused on uh, getting people to uh, practice certain things, but really you know, Paul's view was he's betrothing people to Christ. And in the same way, we want to bring people to the Lord. And we want to bring people into the revelation and into the vision that we've seen. And a big part of that is just they, them sticking around long enough to see something. And so to do that, we have to care, care for them and realize when they come in, you know, we've, we've touched on this a lot today. When they come in, there's a lot that they can encounter. And much of it is very positive, but there's also things that they can encounter that can be problems. And so we just have to care for each person. I think we use this phrase a number of times, shepherding people according to God. Each person is different. And so... Uh, <clears throat> the the final revival that will end this age and bring the lord back is going to be a group of people who who live and practice this way and so that's our goal that's what we want to do that's what we want to be and um anyway that's our our prayer for all of us like in habakkuk uh three two there's this prayer that has echoed through the ages and um really can be our prayer which is oh jehovah revive your work in the midst of the years so this is a prayer um this is a prayer for revival but it's not a prayer of like me struggling and then i get inspired and then i fall again this is something that is sustainable it's consistent, it lasts, and uh, it's a group of people who are just living out and practicing the vision that they've seen. So I don't know. Um, Brother Ray, do you have anything before we finish? 
Yeah, maybe just a, a little cherry, I guess, that Trevor mentioned that put the cherry on top of the Sunday here. <laughs> uh, firstly, uh, I think this kind of fellowship is really helpful. And uh, uh, maybe just to add to what the brothers have shared, you know, when we talk about this idea of bearing fruit or shepherding others, it really does take another kind of life, you know, uh, humanly none of us is really capable of shepherding another person uh, because of the self. The self is interested in the self. And so by definition, uh, you know, it's very hard for us, I would say even impossible for us to really have the care for others that is being described in this kind of fellowship. Um, as Nathaniel just indicated, we use an expression, shepherding according to God. So what that means is you, you need the divine life to adequately shepherd another person. And this other person could be a classmate, it could be a relative, a co-worker, but this is a person that is made in the image of God God's intention for that person is that that person could express and represent God. Uh, but we live in a world full of all kinds of all kinds of matters that are in opposition to the Lord's purpose for man. And so how do we how do we fight this battle? How do we reach a point where we can help someone? to really enter into God's eternal purpose. For that, we need a lot of prayer. Uh, we, because this is a kind of a, a task that is not humanly possible. We need a lot of prayer so that the Lord, we join ourselves to the Lord, and so that our shepherding actually does become something that's according to God. If we are presumptuous enough to think that, well, we can, we can really help people, we can feed them, we can bring them into the church life, make them, make them remaining fruit, uh, we will miss aim because we don't have that capacity. Uh, so firstly, it requires that we ourselves join ourselves to the Lord, realizing how much we need him, how much we need his life, in order to do this kind of shepherding work. And that, that, that in turn compels us to be in a position we need to make ourselves right with the Lord. You know, at the very end of the book, book of Deuteronomy, <clears throat> Moses uh, charges the people, therefore choose life that you and your seed may live. Uh, of course, the, the word there is being applied to the children of Israel and to the children of the children of Israel. And the word, the admonishment there is, choose life that you and your seed may live. Well, I would apply it also to this matter of uh, the ones we're taking care of, the ones we care about, that we ourselves need to choose life. Not only that we may live, but that our seed, our offspring, our children, our spiritual children, 
that they may live. Uh, so for this, we need a lot of prayer. We need to really be in contact and fellowship with the Lord. And we need to realize fundamentally, this does not happen in a natural human kind of way. Uh, the second point I would make is in addition to the matter of prayer, is that we also realize we need a lot of forbearance toward one another. As we talk about all these things, the practices and the experiences we've had, we also need to realize that even in the church life among us, none of us has arrived. And so as a result, there'll be misunderstandings, there'll be mistreatment, there'll be uh, strange kinds of things that may go on. And uh, in order to react to this, in order to kind of go on in the midst of such a situation, we do need a lot of forbearance, meaning that we don't insist on our own way, we don't insist on our own point of view, and eventually we realize forbearance is just Christ himself. So in the church life, as Trevor pointed out, we have these three different kinds of layers of people, you might say. How do we all coexist together with varying levels of clarity, varying levels of maturity, uh, and we will surely experience things in which we rub elbows with one another. How do you go on? You need a lot of forbearance. Uh, and this is a word that Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 4. We need a lot of forbearance, which is to say we need a lot of Christ in order to receive one another and to love one another. So uh, these two things, prayer and forbearance, I think are very much needed in the church life as we talk about our living, our practices, but especially as we take care of our friends and our, 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 uh, uh, the ones we care about in order to help them to go on in the Lord. Uh, we need both of these matters as well. So anyway, I'll just uh, add that kind of fellowship to what the brothers have shared. And I'm really, I, I think this kind of fellowship is very useful, very practical. Uh, none of us has arrived. So uh, I appreciate the brothers having the, the burden and the time to be able to we can come together in this kind of way. So thank you, brothers.